Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, April 22nd for some of us. This is episode 60 for all of us. <laughs> and I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And the reason why Tony is qualifying ever so carefully regarding this episode is we have a guest. He has, if you have not ever heard, attended the 2018 Texas Pinball Festival. He is a certified expert in the scrotal anatomy of Marcropus Rufus and is the sober side of the wildly successful podcast, Head to Head Pinball. We welcome Ryan C. to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. So welcome, Ryan. G'day, lads. It's uh, nice to be up at 6 a.m. talking to you guys. <laughs> what? 6 a.m.? What, whatever do you mean? It's after 3 p.m. here. Uh, it's, it's actually Monday. I'm from the future. Sun- Sunday night is a good mm. night. Don't worry. You will sleep well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we could have gone and made this episode 61, but post-dating episodes and then going back is lame. So there's no way <laughs> that I will ever, I will ever permit such chaos to, to happen on this show. Hey, but hey guys going? I mean, show, did you, uh, I thought you guys gave up on life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a, that is a good point. Uh, we were, we were suggested to the, the straight down the middle gents when, when busy not defending, uh, JJB constantly do take the time out of their day to give us a hard time and we greatly appreciate it. But, um, they are right. We, we basically modeled our show on that philosophy. Yeah. I, I, I don't even play pinball anymore. I, I just show up for the podcast and then I go back into a coma until it's time to record the next episode. Are we are we smack talking each other, or am I like part of the show now? If, if you, sure, you may you you're our guest. You may do you may do whatever you want. Well, let me let me, let me just first any profanity I have to go back in and beep out. So sure, let me first um, smack talk. Uh, you know, straight down the middle, guys. He, you know, he he likes mm. JGP, but he also likes uh, you know American Pimble and Houdini. Go go to Pinside and look at the, oh, Houdini. Yeah, look at the stuff for sale. He's currently selling it already. So what does that say? What does that say? Oh, he's a, oh gosh, either, <laughs> either he's, he's a fickle, he's a fickle man or he's a filthy flipper. Take your pick. <laughs> Whoa. That's almost as, that's almost as brutal as locking in an Iron Man LE and immediately trying to sell oh. it for $2,000 profit. 3,000, 3,000, 2,000. Oh, 3,000. That's nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Here in the Midwest, prices are lower on, on pins yeah. in the Midwest of the U.S. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I forget that that East Coast inflation. Uh, <laughs> well, this is our intro period, so I, I mean, most of the pinball fans probably know your show because it's wildly successful, as I totally legitimately said in the intro. But uh, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes for anyone who is not familiar. I do highly recommend checking it out because you and your uh, co-host Martin do an excellent job covering pinball. But it's. Uh, Anything you want to talk about in the intro is it's free. It's free, free to you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to how to class a, a pinball podcast as wildly successful because, as you know, pinball is quite a, a small hobby. Um, and sometimes you like, oh, it, are people only listening because you know it's pinball and it's small? And and I guess there's only, you know, we always say there's a lot of podcasts, but. Um, you know, you guys venture into the gaming world, and I'm guessing there's like a, a million podcasts for that, and there's there's so many options, right? Well, you, you do raise a good point. It's it's all it's all a sl- basically a slice of of whatever you look at. So yeah, you you look at pinball, and you I don't know if you were to do an iTunes search, for example, for podcasts related to pinball, you'd probably get something on the order of fifty, including the defunct ones. Yeah. Uh, whereas on video games, it, it is very different uh, because. 
on the pinball side, the news is covered by hobbyists. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be my, my fundamental core difference. On the video game side, there are podcasts. They are professionally produced by paid employees, mostly of gaming news sites that are covering all of that. So even the ones that get really fun and, and, and are very banter heavy, like giant bomb cast and beast cast, those are still paid individuals who are putting out that level of content. So on the video game side, there are lots and lots of video game podcasts. They don't tend to circulate, circulate around the news so much. Some of them focus on retro. Some of them just focus on their gaming. That's part of the reason why when Tony and I do cover video games on the podcast, which for our video game fans, we are not talking about at all today, except during this part. <laughs> it's why we usually just talk about what we play rather than covering the news because IGN covers the news. Bombcast covers the news that we can't add anything that professional journalists aren't already. Yeah, doing. I can't spend the amount of time they get paid to do in depth of the how, news how we and to read every little thing. I have an actual, yeah, you get be- paid with the adoration of the pinball community. <laughs> Don't you feel their love? Not at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Not at 6 a.m. <laughs> you, don't, you don't feel our love. This, oh, this stings. Well, that's all right. Uh, then I, I, I guess, you, yeah, I guess love, you don't. And, you know, <laughs> when, when you see the figure of well, how many people are, are listening, you're like, yeah. How, how much am I getting okay, paid for well, this? Well, you got to do you got to do the straight down the middle thing. You got to get Penn Stadium to sponsor your show. <laughs> <laughs> 14 sponsors or, at the start. Or, uh, uh, Pinball Podcast ha- had nifty LED for forever, forever in a day. You just, you, that's what you, could, you just gotta do. You gotta get this, get, uh, get Pinball Lifter, pinballlifter.com. Get, get them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 ca- you're calling Bruce enough. You might as well just formalize it as a sponsorship at this point. Well, when, yeah, when I went pinball on the crunch, you know, whatever, you just start putting word pinball to something else. Uh, pinball ice cream, pinball. Yeah. Socks. When I went on the Slam Cell podcast, we did the um, the ripoff episode. Maybe we can do the ripoff sponsor episode and just uh, <laughs> make up sponsored uh, <laughs> sponsored companies. Well, w- we do have a treat for you later on in the show. <laughs> inspired by that uh, by that performance, you guys so. aren't sponsored by Deep Root, are you? So no, 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 <laughs> no, no. We don't we don't have any inside scoop on anything. It was as new to me as it was to everyone else. When and actually, I had not tell Tony about this, but I believe yesterday Robert Mueller, who uh, listeners may recall a few episodes ago, we did do an interview with, uh, but not during our interview. But since then, on Pinside, had mentioned that. He already has a, a, I guess, a standing agreement with Warner Brothers that if J.K. Rowling allows Harry Potter to be made, Deep Root has right of first refusal to do it. Yeah. <laughs> everyone was like, wow. everyone downvoted that. That was, that was funny. They were like, no, we don't want that. I turned off downvotes because I want Pinside to be a happy place, so I don't see downvotes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided that's, that's, my, that's my approach to have a, have a happy world. I, I considered that, but... Um, when you wake up and there's like 300 new posts in the JJP pirates spinning disc thread, I'm like, how do I, how do I read this? I'll just scroll through and look for the red and look for the green. And that should give me an idea of what's going on. Mm. <laughs> that's, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. It's sort of color coded threat assessment. Exactly. Yeah, that's very, um, you know, if, if nothing initiated enough response, then you could just ignore it. Oh, I'm, I'm probably missing out on a lot of good, a good content from people that aren't popular enough to get the upvotes. But I, you know, I don't want to spend three hours reading about a spinning disc in one day. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to spread that out across the week. <laughs> 
Um, okay. Well, uh, my, uh, I guess my intro segment stuff, um, is uh, Mrs. Penn. I, I mentioned her podcast that I knew it was out. I heard the interview with Mrs. Penn, Ryan, that you and Martin did. I thought she was very funny. I listened, uh, as of episode 10. I like her show. She's new to pinball and she's do, I think she's doing her podcast the right way. It's focusing on a new person learning about pinball. So I got a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to try out a new podcast that's oriented towards what it's like as someone sort of walking in like a wide eyed doe into the headlights of this hobby. Uh, and the only other thing was a Pizza West tournament that was one of our monthly tournaments. I was at that yesterday. Did not do very well, but at the start of it, the guy who operates those machines and runs that tournament, Eric, uh, came up to me and mentioned that he heard the episode Tony and I did a couple months back with Taylor Reese from this flipping podcast. Mm -hmm. And he heard my remark about how I wasn't a fan of Willer Williams flipper mechs, that I prefer the stern flipper mechs. And he asked me if I based that opinion off of his stern games, and which I do like. And he said, because he actually replaces the stern mechs with Williams wow. mechs underneath the play field. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, like the, the, br the brushings and the flippers are, are still stern. They have to be, but, but the underneath the guts, those, those are as much as he can get away with making Williams are Williams. So now I don't know what to think. My whole world, my world <laughs> Your view has been crushed. My, what? I mean, I was just waiting for him to tell me that all the wide bodies I thought were wide bodies. He just puts like little, like little fat coats on wow. and makes them look bloated, but they're really just standard bodies. So my worldview might be shaken here. I don't know. Well, you like a mix. You like a mix. I do like how his story. You like a mix, right? Apparently, yeah, I want like, I want, uh, I want a, a mutt. I want a mixed breed flipper. Uh, the only thing I know is I still don't think too fondly of those pointy Gottlieb flippers. Uh, those things go bad and they're even working. They're not quite, they're not quite the same. I don't know how much of it is just not being used to it. That, that's the only, that's anyway, the only thing was, that annoys you thought. about Gottlieb stuff is just the, the flippers, not, not the rules. Oh, and the rules. No? Yeah. The, not, I mean, the rules are, can be frustrating, but I mean, the company operated under such, interesting constraints i mean doing parallel development on, on the surface is a terrible idea for a quality product but you know that was just what they needed to do to to reach their output goals and i mean say what you want about the rules which i think you could say a lot <laughs> very negatively and i think it's very fair uh but you know what they produced machines they produced machines better than almost, uh, at a higher frequency and volume than practically any other existing manufacturer. So they got something right for a while too. So, so once again, quantity is a quality all of its own. That's actually a very good point. Yes. There, there is a, a, you know, quality over quantity is all well and good, but you got to have a certain level of quantity or no one will ever know what your quality is. All right. Dennis and, and Tony, he, he's a bit of smack talk. When are you guys going to buy some good games? <gasps> You've been you've been in the uh, the hobby long what enough. Do you mean? S S what, what do you mean? What do you mean? S Silver Slugger. Yeah, Silver Slugger, man. You played a bad copy. <laughs> yes, I did. That was the problem. That 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 game's got flow for days. Hey, I, I have a Star Trek. I thought you liked Star Trek. Why do you hate Star Trek? Uh the pro is is the the peasants version with that without the up kicker. It's just a, a horrible game. <laughs> oh, we got some money. We got a Mr. Moneybags on the show. Has a, a, a Vuk. Like, it adds nothing except a, it makes a, it makes you have a slow ball. It's like, hey, look, here's this highly predictable Vuk that's going to feed perfectly. That's just what I need. An already relatively safe game to feed even safer. <sighs> 
I swear. Superman oh. by Atari? <laughs> Come on. All right, Superman is pretty poor, but, <laughs> but in my defense, that game was free. So <laughs> that's why I have it. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's my trash talking done. That's that's the best I can do. That was that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty solid. good. Peasant peasants peasants version. I'll have to. I'll use that on someone who I hate, and they'll be like, "Dennis, you're the cheapest guy in this hobby, so it won't well, work." But I'll try it anyway. See if I can get peasants it. a good a, a uh, good smack Tony. talk thing. Sorry, oh. a good smack talk thing to say because you know it was used kind of back in the day, and, and no one is really a peasant anymore, right? Like, there's no castles and and. We're not in the medieval times, so you can, you can say peasant and get away with it. Well, except maybe in Myanmar, but sure. <laughs> uh, Tony, intro, anything? You know, I, I I was joking earlier about not playing pinball anymore, but honestly, I haven't played pinball since Texas. Ouch. I've had something going on every tournament lately, and I just haven't had the chance. I've got lots of uh, video game stuff coming up. In the next several weeks, but I've done so little of anything that doesn't involve work or family stuff lately that no, I got nothing. You need a new huh. host, Dennis. This is my resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need yeah. one that plays more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm stuck with living with Tony still as my host for the time being. So we're going to, we're just going to move on. I mean, I know you can't find anybody prettier, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Th- this is, this is a constant problem. I am the I am the ugly one, uh, visually and audibly, but but I try and make up for it with content. And speaking of content, it's pinball time. Of course, as I mentioned already, it's going to entirely be pinball time today because Ryan is our super special guest, and we're going to open with news like we usually do. And I thought the first thing we should start with is actually Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle because it was at the Midwest Gaming Classic. And there was some very nice audio video capture. Uh, I, I focus on the audio side because I guess they had a shotgun mic or something. And uh, and so, uh, Ryan, I know you sent me the link to the video because I had trouble finding it. I wasn't searching under MGC. Um, what were your thoughts getting to actually be able to hear Alice Cooper? Because I don't know about you, but I couldn't hear a thing at Texas when I played it. Yeah, no one, no one could really hear what was going on at Texas. It was, it was hilarious that they had TNA... Um, just so much louder than the, the new game they're trying to showcase. Um, but, well, it had it does have the better soundtrack. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that I guess they were not hiding, but they didn't want to really try and showcase how little content was in there at the time. Um, I, I guess in, in that video we saw um, a couple of we heard sorry a couple of Alice Cooper callouts, and um, I guess Pinside being Pinside kind of blew up in its little mini threads about kind of Alice not, put, you know, just, just kind of reading, reading the lines. Like he'd say, you know, welcome to the castle. And uh, and then, of course, Charlie came on and said, uh, that's that's normal, that's what Alice is like. You haven't done anything yet. He's not going to be all excited when you just kind of enter the castle and you're about to battle a monster. He'll get excited when you actually hurt his friends and, and do all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting i guess because i guess alice fans understand that people that aren't alice cooper fans don't i okay yeah and when i when i heard it it did to me remind me of uh of reading off of a of a card basically and not you know there wasn't much in the way of inflection uh here's an analogy that i know you will get if not appreciate ryan on star trek even the peasant version uh <laughs> if you ever you're 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 fighting con yeah and I, I love most of Carl Urban's callouts in Star Trek, except when you lose in that. And he goes, Con! Why does and it, it sound like that? Is, it sounds like he just was like, 
I feel like a dork and I'm not going to say it really passionately. And so it just sounds, it's like one of the 10 worst call outs in pinball. I don't, uh, yeah, that, I don't understand why no one likes that. I'm like the only person that really likes that call out. Maybe it sounds better on the Alley <laughs> machine with the premium like speaker set and you know, the, the, the metallic grill that it's coming out of. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking per, I, th- it's a reasonable argument, or perhaps you can't really focus on that because you've been blinded by a green laser pointer. <laughs> and so while your brain is essentially trying to fight off an epileptic spasm from the light show, you don't really focus so much on that really lame call out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. so, so yeah, when I played the Alice Cooper stuff, I thought the lines. I, I liked the lines, but I, yeah, the delivery I thought sounded like, oh, well, we just went with one take. Um, not amateurish. The recording capture, the sound quality was very good. Uh, but I, I thought he would have sounded at least a little more energetic. I, I get what Charlie's saying. Um, it, it, you know, I guess that is what it is. It's just, it wasn't impressive. That's all I can, I can say about that. Yeah. I still like how it looks. It's not impressive to anyone that doesn't know, um, Alice Cooper. Um, but it, it, it's funny because it's kind of like this, this back and forth, like, Hey, we're not going to show you anything, um, at Texas. Oh, we'll show you a little bit now. But don't get pissed off. You've only seen like 10%. It's like, well, it, it like, it's like, don't show us or show us the full thing. Um, and I know it's easier said than done to do it. And people are probably are really annoying them and saying, you know, please show us something because I want to, I want to order. Um, but there's a fine line between showing them the good stuff or everything or just 5% because that's, that's what it leads to people complaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you, if you're not, if you're not doing just a certain high quality level tease, all that you're really going to get out of it is something like this that felt flat and leaves people flat. Because you know what I remember from that? I remember some really bad screaming that was annoying. That was the most, that was the thing oh that stuck gosh. out the most out of that that's video. That's the other thing. Wow. That's, yeah, that scream out of the scoop. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a horror person, but like hearing a little girl scream all the time, it, it irritates me to to no end because I've got two young girls. Oh, that, that that's an instant no on that machine. Kids. Yeah, it, I would I would walk away from the machine if, if if they never took that out. I would I would never want to play it because right. I know it sounds horrible. Scre- no, no, girls. no. Like, let's, 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 let's try and, let's try and rank that then. Let's, you know, we'll have a little fun. Let's try and rank that. Where does that, where's the Alice little girl scream fall in the range of Bobbity Bobo and, <laughs> and if any of you know early on the Mustang code with the constant whinnying horse? I think the scream would be way more annoying because it's kind of, fingernails on chalkboard mm. while also That's especially if it if you're if you've got young kids you hear certain levels of scream and the very first thing you do even if it's you can tell instantly it's not your kid is your head pops up and you're looking around to find out what's wrong and where exactly it it, it sets off a weird parental response for me because I've, I'm still fresh into you know only six years into the the kid world which it, it's yeah, and and there's so many entrances to the subway, and I'm I'm not sure if it's every single exit out of the subway. But as I said, we're talking about something that is still in, uh, I guess, alpha code. Um, but that's what that's what they're showing, and that's their showcase for people to put money down and buy the game. So all of this feedback, I guess, is is useful to a certain point, but it's it's not final, and an audio file can change immediately. Um, just a click of the button and it's gone. Yeah. So we should do that. Ho- yeah. Hopefully Charlie will at least, <laughs> if he wants to, yeah. well, if, I'm assuming he'll want to keep the scream and that, 
And that's fine. Just dial it way back so that it's only used. <laughs> the screams at like a 10 right now and we need it to be about a three. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just, just, let's, let's just hope that they'll Let's come. just move the screen down to the same mm-hmm. level of, uh, of, of interest or, or and energy or, or that Alice has in Welcome to the Capsule. If the screen's <laughs> oh, at that level of energy, we'll be okay. Oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Should be a menu option. <laughs> Annoying scream on. Annoying scream <laughs> uh, well, you know they had to do that with Ghostbusters with that with that random scream. Yeah, it's it's still on though in every single location. Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's out not there, like, it's not super intuitive one. for most people to, um, I guess, to figure it. I don't know what it's labeled as in the menu. I mean, I don't have a Ghostbusters, so I I've never looked. I just know that it is possible. Well, yeah, they've got the the generic um, settings, and then they've got the game specific ones. And in all the modern stones, it's like a hundred and twenty plus. So, yeah, <laughs> someone's dialing through the menu individual items 120 times to find it. They're like, ah, I'll, I'll just leave it on. I'll just deal with this with my life, in my life. Well, I, I think that this, this scream and trying to you know, fix what's wrong and get it right is, an, is a truly excellent transition to something that Ryan already got to talk about almost a week ago on his show. And that will be uh, Jersey Jack Pinball and the production changes announced for Pirates of the Caribbean. And this would be our, our big news item of the, of the news segment, obviously, because we have not yet spoken about it. For those that don't know, Pirates of the Caribbean was the, was slash is the next Jersey Jack game that was revealed back at Expo last year to great fanfare. They sort of stole the show. There were a lot of comparisons about how Stern was focusing on how beer plus pinball equals dollar signs. And uh, Jersey Jack <laughs> was busy showing off a game by a, a new designer, Eric Munier, and uh, a theme that people knew and recognized. And they just late two weeks ago now, we're about 12 days out from the... No, more like yeah, like everything, out, right? the big news drops yeah. immediately after right. we it, drop it. It dropped episode. on a it dropped on a Friday after the last episode we did. Yeah, there. So that makes sense. So anyway, the announcements were the the physical ball lock treasure chest, the lid on the prototypes has been opening and closing, and they were just going to keep it open because there were some issues with ball rejects. And the bigger news, according to the community, which is the three concentric spinning discs. They have been replaced with a one-disc apparatus, much smaller uh, real estate than all three discs took up, and they sort of brought the artwork in. I may be being somewhat generous by saying that they brought the artwork in, but that, in theory, is what's happening. They have they have acknowledged that the artwork they have shown, because they have streamed this now with the one disc, that is not yet finalized. But the community's response has been negative, I would say. Uh, and I, I, you know, <laughs> I want to, I want to mention uh, ahead of time because, uh, straight down the middle, actually, we, who we ribbed at the start of the episode, they actually spoke about this at, at great length, uh, and I think raised a lot of valid and interesting points, uh, very supportive of Jersey Jack's decision here and what the game still has to offer. Uh, I have a different take, but I guess uh, I want to start and just sort of get some, some thoughts from, from you guys. And I guess I'll, I'll have Tony start first because we both play pirates mm-hmm. and I think we both acknowledged on our post Texas pinball festival episode, the discs were our favorite thing about the game. Yeah, they were. 
So, so Tony, what are your thoughts about the, these announced changes? Well, the treasure chest lid, I mean, that's, that's nothing. It's fine. Whatever. It's no big deal. I don't really care either way. But the discs, the discs were actually the only thing about the game that really grabbed me because A, I think the theme is terrible. I've always thought the theme was terrible. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean was relevant, what, a decade ago? They had a new movie I recently. They, put they out had a new, a new movie. movie. But that doesn't mean they put out a, a – I, I mean, at this point, I think a Fast and Furious machine would be a way better deal than a freaking Pirates machine. And really, the only thing that really interested me in the entire thing is the three spinning discs. I thought it was a great idea. It looked great. It did fun stuff on the field. And now that it's gone, it's like, oh, look, it's it's the Hobbit 2 electric boogaloo. Uh, Ryan, what are what are your <laughs> now, Ryan? As a as a Hobbit owner, what what what's your response? What's your Hobbit two electric boogaloo? Come on, you can't you got you got to let that simmer. You got to let that simmer. Okay? Oh, that's Hobbit something that you'd hear on Slam Tilt all the time. Okay. I am not giving him points for that crap. Now, Ryan, you're you're a Hobbit owner. What what are your what are your thoughts on on pirates? Uh, I don't know. That has to do with the Hobbit, well. Obviously, but, um, they're both terrible. It's... You may now proceed. Oh man. It... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the news is only a week and a bit old, but it feels like we've been simmering on this news for, I don't know, months, because it's just back and forth all the time, and, and it's exhausting as uh, someone trying to keep up on on all the happenings. To, <laughs> oh, there's my alarm to up. Um, it's, it's exhausting to, to hear, um, to kind of read everything, and it's very hard for me to kind of form an opinion because my opinion now is almost based off everyone's reaction that people are overreacting and I don't have the uh, pirates ordered because it's it's 15,000 US here uh, sorry it's 15,000 Australian dollars here um, it, it's more than you know whatever the conversion rate is um, got a bit of a raw deal going on so it's not in um, I don't I'm not going to order uh, it's too much money so I can't put myself in everyone's shoes and say, I'm upset because they, they took this out. I don't personally see spinning discs as something that's incredibly fun. Um, maybe the, the three spinning discs is a little bit more fun than a, a single spinning disc, but um, it, it's it's probably less fun than magnets for me because I can, I can kind of see it moving. And, and the real wow factor for me was going to be when it stopped and awarded you the, the, the mystery award, um, which it's still going to do, just not in a physical form. Right. Uh, I, I'm in a similar boat in the sense that I'm I'm not in the market for for any of these Jersey Jack games because of the price point. Uh, without an insane conversion rate, uh, I was you know somewhat looking forward to seeing it on location, and we may still. I've not heard that our operators who do uh, have a willingness to actually put JJP out on location saying they were not going to do it anymore. I have no idea. Um, <clears throat> the I don't as a default rule, have any inherent love for spinning discs. What I liked about the spinning discs with pirates was it added an element of randomness to a game that I feel plays too safe without them. So my concern isn't that it went from three discs to one, because I don't know how much of a difference discs that can move in different directions at the same time honestly means to, you know, putting English on the ball in a confusing way. These balls are moving so fast. People get confused. I, well, it's not, this is not like frame perfect street fighter combat going on here. So, uh, my concern is more that the disc is much smaller. The amount of space, which is in contention to be randomized is much smaller now. And I worry that the game will play too long. Uh, because I felt it already plays a bit too long 
which is my big complaint. One of my big complaints with Hobbit is I think it's just, it plays too safe, uh, coupled with its terrible side to side action. So in this case, I think Eric's design eliminated a lot of that side to side action, which I think is really good. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my issue with the disc. Also, I thought it interesting that while it's let, let me actually, let me pivot on this. Do we accept the claim, which was repeated on the stream by Eric, that this is an engineering issue. They could not get the reliability of these two devices correct. And so they dropped them so they can go into production or the counter argument, which says some people f- still feel despite this being reiterated that no, this is to save on the bill of materials. This is not an engineering failure. This is a money-saving move. Tony, you can go first. I'm going to go that I think this is probably an engineering issue. I can I can see where the issues would be, and I've met enough engineers in my time to know that half the stuff they do is wrong in the first place until it actually <laughs> gets tried in the field. And, yeah, no, I, I can full-on see that this is an engineering issue. I just don't like it. I mean, the game didn't have, I mean, it wasn't a terrible game, but this game didn't grab me and I had no real interest. And that triple spending disc was the most interesting thing on something that in no way, shape or form had any interest in it otherwise. And with that gone, it, it's another machine. I mean, not, I, yeah, it's just another machine. Really? Well, it sounds like Ryan disagrees. Yeah. Well, well, like the straight down the middle guys, you referenced them before. I mean, they kind of went through and listed all the other stuff that. Uh, the machine has that other machines don't. And, um, I mean, that doesn't mean that you like, like the machine, like more stuff as, as we can kind of see with Iron Maiden, people are losing their, uh, I can't, I can't swear on this podcast. Um, people are losing it over Iron Maiden and there really isn't that much in there hardware wise. It's all done on the software and, and like the audio level. And that's what gets people excited. So, you know, do you need to throw the kitchen sink at, a machine for it to be fun. No, you don't. Um, but for these high-end collectors, that's one of their little checkboxes, you know. Um, it, it has all this cool stuff in it. It's packed. The bill of materials is very high, so I'm, I'm not getting ripped off here. Um, but it doesn't necessarily equal fun for some people. Um, like Tony thinks the machine, you know, is, isn't um, isn't great anymore. But um, I guess no I one... Didn't, to be fair, I didn't think it was great before. Yeah, I just said yeah. the most interesting thing to me on it. I did, I wasn't a, a huge fan of it before that. But <laughs> is it interesting when the ball is spinning and you don't know when it's where it's going to spin out, or is it interesting because you've never seen it before and it's just a thing? Like, hey, there's only one game in the world that has three spinning discs. That's a valid point. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. For me, it's just the, it's the, it's just the randomization was what was, was interesting. I didn't care that it was three discs. Uh, if it had been magnets, I would have been just as pleased. Yeah. I mean, no one really knows what's going on, um, behind closed doors at Jersey Jack. And, and I guarantee that they absolutely hate, um, people like us and, and Pinside, um, speculating if it's getting costed out, um, or if it's an engineering issue, because, um, there's probably nothing more painful than, um, you know, what Eric is, is going through, like designing your first design, everyone cheerleading you and then having to remove something that you've shown and people have fallen in love with. Um, I, I think if it was costed out, it would have probably been done earlier. Um, it, it almost doesn't make sense that it's getting costed out now. Um, it, it was meant to be online already. Jack kind of earmarked quarter one of 2018. Right. So they're already uh, a month and a half um 
and, and, and they haven't even shipped one. I was at the factory a couple of weeks ago and there was there was nothing on the line. Um, I didn't check every box out the back to see how many parts were ordered and this and that. But <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't let yeah, you go through if, and take inventory? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of parts there. So there's a lot of boxes. But, it, you know, if it was costed out, then I don't know. Don't, don't you think it... Obviously, this, this decision wasn't made a day before the announcement because what they showed in the video... Um, of the announcement was the video animation for the three spinning discs stopping and, and awarding something. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not a, I'm not a, a, an animator, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen overnight, you know, take at least a couple of days or weeks to do that. Right. Right. I, well, I mean, here's, here's my take. I, I don't think it's a costing issue. I don't, I think, I think they're being honest. I think that it has to do with the reliability that they were unable to get the reliability. Uh, and, that, and that I think is in a way, I, I can't say it's more of a problem, but I think it's a more complicated problem for JJP to have because it brings up a whole lot of questions about, I mean, here, here's the thing with the spinning disc, taking my opinion about it aside or Tony's aside or Ryan's aside. Here is the issue. When you looked at all that list of all that stuff that the collectors are checking to, to rationalize overpaying this much for a pinball machine, <laughs> because that's what's going on. It's that was the unique feature. We've had rocking playfields before. Yeah. I guess you can say, well, this is the first rocking playfield with two flippers with a, in this position. It's like we've had rocking playfields before. <laughs> it's been done. Williams did it. So the discs were front and center on the playfield, so they're very noticeable. They had all those lights, which are now out of the design, which I don't understand, but it makes it look more barren than it would otherwise would have. But hey, that's that's their design decision. And they could at least, even if it didn't mean a lot, even if it didn't change the ball as much as any old magnet or one spinning disc would, being able to say concentric spinning discs never, ever, ever been done before. And they marketed with that. It's in the materials. It's still in the materials. Yeah. So that's why I, I agree with you, Ryan, that they just made this change decision because there's still so much. I mean, people were complaining because there was another show or event and the prototypes, the old prototypes were still there being used to sell games. And I have to, uh, this came up on our Discord with uh, with one of our, our Discord participants and they mentioned, and I completely agree with them, that if it's about making the game more reliable, this these changes needed to happen. The reliability needs to be paramount. I see every all those people going through the the you know five stages of of grief or whatnot, <laughs> trying to rationalize and say, well, give give me a, give me a version or sell us a you know sell us a second one that we can replace if it breaks. And it's like, no, no, no. The reliability needs to be. You need to be. You need to prioritize that. So that so from a from a solution perspective, I think Jersey Jack is doing the right thing. But and I've seen a lot of people defending Eric online. They feel really bad for him. And I, I kind of do. I don't know because I don't know exactly who pulled the plug on all of this. But the bottom line was they had something. They revealed it at Expo. They went around selling it. And then the engineering couldn't make it happen. The engineering has failed. So I don't know if they had less time than they thought or they needed more time than they expected or they just can't solve it, period. But it's, it looks bad to have to walk back on something that you were saying, look at how revolutionary we've been. And then you find out your revolution was a failed coup. The, um, there was another podcaster 
and I can't remember who it was because he just you sometimes listen to so many and they all merge into one. But he was saying, you know, this has never been done before. When was the last time that someone revealed like, such a cool feature and then um, removed it? And I, I guess Stern possibly isn't in that um, that little bracket there. But uh, the one that comes to mind is the Judge Dread Dead World mod that everyone does that was um, originally in there when the game was shown and then a distributor uh, asked that Williams to yank it out for reliability um, and, and he didn't I don't, I don't think he even knew what the reliability was he just kind of looked took one look at it and said I'm not ordering this thing um, if, if that's not changed to a virtual lock um, and it was still in the original code and that's why people sell the mods to kind of physically lock balls on the on the dead world thing and, and the plastics and um and they have to use original code with you know not as many kind of bug fixes and, and features as the final code which doesn't happen yeah in there. yeah and the yeah I, uh, yeah that's a that's a good that's a good analogy because that was a pretty significant feature of course the main thing to note is times have changed so much and jersey jack doesn't target the operator market which is all williams ever cared about because that's all that really existed in any meaningful size so now you've got a company that's totally oriented to rich guys who want to, who want to buy the most expensive, flashiest toys. And you just took what made them feel like they weren't, you know, they were getting something special, something better than Stern. And well, you can still easily argue that there's far more in it than, a, than a Stern will give you, but yeah, it's less than what you said. And so that's where that's where we're seeing this. Yeah, that's the ongoing argument on Pinside and why the thread hasn't died down at all because it's it's people arguing over um, you, you can't show something and make me pay for something and then take a little bit away and not compensate me in somehow people people feel cheated, you know, like okay, if, if this is getting taken out and you're putting something else in that's not as good, give me something. And I, I don't know what they can do to you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea to drop the price. Uh, that that kind of seems a bit weak, um, but h- how do you add more to a machine that is ready lo- loaded? You know, where else can you fit stuff? I'm not, and of course, I didn't participate in any of these. How can we? You know, there was all there was a whole thread about how can we fix? How can we save this? What can we do instead? Where, Why? Well, because people are going. Th- I mean, there was someone. It was someone. I think it was crazy the, Levy. his handle. I think was cr- crazy Levy. Yes. Thank you. Who who on Pinside was just like you guys are just going through like the denial, anger, <laughs> and it's like he's totally right. They are. It's so it's so transparent, and it's in a way it's very sad <laughs> to see because most people aren't out anything. You can always just cancel your order, which is what a lot of them are claiming to be doing. Um, here's where I think it fundamentally comes down to setting aside pirates inherently as a game. Uh, I mean, there've been people as extreme as saying, can't Jersey Jack just drop doing pirates and just move on to the next game? Wow. Like with no, like that wouldn't just totally shatter the company. Uh, look, pinball people may have a lot of money, but they don't always have a lot of smarts. It just, <laughs> they're just like any other group of people. You got a whole mix. <laughs> they're just getting to the point where they're almost putting out a game a year. Almost. If nothing else screws up. Well, but, and purportedly, this is supposed to be a company that is positioning itself to get to be doing two to three games a year or three to four games a year. I want two, no, six, or I want one successful that. game per year. This is what That's, the people want. Well, the people want a lot and <laughs> they're wrong. Let, let, let me, a lot of the time. I'm going to tell you what the people want. That's, they ain't ever going to get. They want Jersey Jack to be Williams 2.0. Never going to happen. Never happen. Williams has good games. <laughs> Ouch, oh, that's so geez. mean. 
Here's the thing. Williams is dead and people need to let that go. There will not be, if you are hung up on Williams that you can't move on, then Chicago gaming has a bunch of remakes coming down the line and you can buy those games and you can enjoy those. And then you can complain that the flipper timing feels off on attack from Mars. You can do that. (laughs) Ryan, you can do that. (laughs) Smack talking the public, but (laughs) the podcast. we just, we just, we just tell it, we just telling it like it is. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I I mean, I've been a little harsh on JJP and the reason is because they've only got one game that I enjoy. And it's the game that is nothing like any other game they've ever put out because it's dialed in. Sure. Dialed in is their best game. What's wrong with, what's wrong with Wizard of Oz? Everyone hates on Wizard of Oz. It just wasn't fun. It's clunky. I, I I didn't like any of the shots. I didn't have any. It's clunky. It's clunky. It's got too many upper play fields. Have you, have you managed to get like a five ball multiple? Oh God, no. No, no. (laughs) Far too much clunk. Far much. That's probably not really a mode. (laughs) I wouldn't know. I don't have very much. I per, I don't have very much. I don't have a lot of Wizard of Oz time. Um, It's my second favorite, uh, Jersey Jack game. I have a fair chunk of Hobbit time. I have enough Hobbit time to know that I, I don't like the Hobbit at all. Mm. And. Okay. Yeah, but I don't think, I don't find Hobbit clunky. I just, it's too barren is Hobbit's problem, but. But you know, it's got uh, it does really good. Is theming. Attack from Mars Baron? Attack from Attack Mars, from is, Mars Baron, is the greatest. But Attack game from ever Mars made. is fast, so it, it, you don't have to, you don't have time to appreciate the barrenness. Yeah, Bar- Baron doesn't bother me. I don't have a problem with it. I don't feel I don't need toys everywhere because because I mean it's I consider Attack from Mars the best pinball machine ever. I'm I've, I've never said otherwise, and I, nothing's changed well, my mind. We're gonna talk a little bit about Hobbit because Ryan's here and he's clearly a Hobbit supporter. So I, I will explain what my issue my because uh, I don't know if I've ever really explained it very much other than just to say I don't really care for Hobbit. Um, my problem with Hobbit is I feel it was a mistake to go with a fan layout in a wide body with that is just too open on those sides. I think originally the thought was is the pop-ups would interfere with that feeling and you'd feel like you're always hitting things. And in early code, those pop-ups were up all the time and it pissed everyone off. (laughs) So then they reduced the frequency of that, but then you were just sitting there and anytime the ball is moving side to side on a wide body, it just takes longer than it does on a standard. So you're not interacting with the ball coupled with a third flipper that you didn't need and then they had to code in an excuse to have the third flipper to try and rationalize it. I understand the game at one point even had four flippers, but it's just, it was like, if, if they had just made that into a standard body, it'd have been a much better game. You didn't have to change anything else. You could have made it a standard body. You could have kept the third flipper, but, um, but they, yeah. Well, you'd have, you'd have to cut out a lot more because, I mean, if you look at the underside of that machine, you can't see the wood. Yeah. It's got that much stuff in it. Um, so you probably need to cut out at least two of the, the beast mechs, but, I, I agree with a lot of um, issues that people have with the with the Hobbit, and um, I, I'm I'm a supporter. It, it's, it's it's almost like the whole thing that's going on with with Pirates of the Caribbean. Sometimes you have to support it a little bit because the hate that it gets is I, I think is is not justified. And maybe it is for every single Hobbit that you've played on on site that's set up really shallow, but the game really needs to be set up at a, a very high pitch. Um, like between seven and seven point five, and then it, it doesn't feel slow at all. Um, and there's adjustments for the beast mechs to not come up as often, like even more than you know the beta firmware. Um, so you need to, you can kind of adjust the game to your to your liking. But I guess the problem for me with the Hobbit is that it it doesn't have an end yet with the software. So it, everything that you do 
um, to me is, is pointless because it just loops around um, and there's no... Even though there's more code in there than you know any other game and more animations and more modes, they don't lead to anything. So you're on this, this quest for nothing because uh, you get to the third wizard mode and then if, if, you, if you win or you fail, you just back to the start where you're, you do the first wizard mode the second. Um, obviously the shots... Um, it, it's the two easiest shots in pinball, you know, those, those two middle shots, and then everything else is hard. Um, hitting those, those, uh, um, orbits, not the easiest thing. Hitting the, uh, the whole, the VUKs, not easy either. Um, and not very satisfying. Um, but I guess that's, that's, you know, Hobbit is the machine that made me learn <laughs> what I don't like about pinball. And I never knew I didn't like certain things until I, until I bought the Hobbit, like a smooth play field. I, there's something that I like about the ball rolling, and I, ne- I never knew that existed until I bought The Hobbit, and it didn't do that. It, the ball bumps from left to right because of the beast flaps, because of the lock rollovers, and I was like, huh, this, this feels really unsatisfying when the ball's like, you know, getting propelled forward or coming back to me, that it's not coming back on the same path. And that's why I don't care too much about, you know, spinning discs and, and any, any bumps on the play field. Um, but I've got mine out on side at the moment. I was I was got so frustrated with it, um, the code not progressing forward, that um, I, I I didn't want to sell it because I I, I loved so much about it. Um, so I was out on site making money, and uh, I will bring it back home when the code is done, which is apparently after Pirates of the Caribbean. So who knows when that will be? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know they're still planning to do it. I, I'm a bit surprised it has been put off. The, I mean, I got it at first because, you know, Dial Then needed to be taken care of, but Dial Then is done. So I. Well, you, you always yeah. wonder what. I guess it is what it sorry, is. Another, sorry to jump in once more. You always no. wonder, like, what they were doing the entire time the, the code was delayed because, I mean, The Hobbit was announced, like, was it 2012 or 2000? A long time ago. Like, the code. Should be done. Yeah, it was longer than than Woz was. Yeah, it took longer for it to come out than it did Wizard of Oz, which is why everyone thought that they were really questioning if Jersey Jack would survive the Hobbit. Obviously, they did, um, and then they put out Dialed In, which they did so much faster. And now the the timeline's slipping again. It slipped. I mean, as you noted, Ryan, quarter one was clearly conveyed for Pirates, and now we're purportedly it's going to be quarter two. Um, uh, you know, with this very feeling last minute announcement on changes to the engineering, it does suggest that they really do want to and need to probably get it online um, so they can start doing production. But <clears throat> it's not being produced yet. And I, you know, it's just not it's not leaving these. Coll- I mean, that's the issue when you're catering to people that are spending between what, 9,500 and 12,500 US for a game, they're really going to think that they have creative control over how many toys you put in it. So when you start taking stuff away and you, and your only thing that you can say is your new stuff's more reliable, eh, that's why, I mean, they're just people that they want creme de la creme. They want things that humiliate Stern. And there, there are a lot of JJP supporters, I think, that just support JJP because they hate Stern for whatever reason. And there are plenty of reasons you can pick to hate Stern, but it's, you know, maybe not the best, uh, emotional reason to be involved in the hobby, in my view. <laughs> Nonetheless, you know, whatever, whatever motivates you. That's an interesting point about the Hobbit code. You know, the same thing I've wondered about with, with Dutch. It's like, wh- where's your final wizard mode for Big Lebowski? You're not busy building them. 
but I, d- I don't think they're. Um, I think they made an announcement a while ago that their coder. Uh, this is during their their webinar thing that their coder is kind of uh, not working on the machine at all. Correct. But you know, but he will once. I guess, like you know. Yeah, he super duper promises. Out, mm, comforting. Yeah. I think that tra- directly translates to once you can find some money to pay me to finish it, I'll come back and finish it. But until then, <laughs> I have I have to pay rent and f- get food. So I'm going to go work on a paying job. Yeah, he has a he has a day job. Is my understanding. Okay, well, uh, we'll go to the last news item, and oh look, I get to make it a news item because I wrote it. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, Pinball News went ahead and ran an article. Tony has been bugging me about when will the article come out about explaining why wide body pins are geometrically inferior to standard body. Uh, and I'm far too busy to write that article, but I wasn't too busy to write an article about the rise and fall of Atari's pinball division. So there's a link in the show notes. If anyone wants to learn about Atari, which, and this is how it ties all into Tony's thoughts, only made wide body pins. And thus they fail. That's the, there you go. That's the article. And anyway, no, it goes into some of their generational design stuff. Um, I asked a question to Steve Ritchie during, uh, the Texas Pinball Festival seminar he held about Atari because I'd been planning to do this for a while, but I wanted more information than what I already had. I finally had enough to sort of hammer it together. The reason why I'm bringing it up here, besides self promotion, of course, is Atari's pinball division. They formed it up in 1975. Their machine production was 76 to 79. In that period, they put out seven games. This was a company that totally, I mean, totally failed at pinball. But <laughs> looking back on it, aside from Superman and the novelty that is Hercules, all their games are turds. They're all terrible. But you look at that date range and you look at the number of machines they put out with a production that was so inefficient that one of their one of their vice presidents acknowledged that what Bally could make in two weeks took Atari four months worth of work. And they still, numerically, production-wise, are better than almost any existing pinball manufacturer in the game right now. <laughs> so don't y'all be celebrating this. For- it's, it's, it's the new generation of manufacturers. <laughs> yeah, that don't build anything. <laughs> I'm just saying we, you know, we are in a pinball resurgence right now, but let's not, let's not think a little, let's not think too highly of ourselves here. This, uh, this production model that we're operating on, this, this slow trickle and these inevitable, endlessly seeming delays on games, this is not normal for the industry as a whole. This is not how even the bad manufacturers did it back in the day. <laughs> so I'm just saying, a new level just of something, I, I, well, so I, I, know, I know. The, um, competence or incompetence. I mean, I, who know Atari. I mean, one of the things that Steve noted was they only had two people who knew anything about pinball. They brought in two people from Chicago. Everyone else had never done anything with pinball yet. Still somehow they muddled through <laughs> with high, <laughs> having more success than apparently most of these companies can do at this point. So I don't know. Maybe we just were better at assembly lines back then. Maybe they did uh, their own version of quad assembly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's what's the idea behind Hercules? Like who, who is, that was their, that was their last game? I'm, I'm looking at the little table. Yeah, here in the- yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen a Hercules? Yeah, I have, and I, I plunged the ball, and and before the ball got to the top, um, the top <laughs> lanes, I kind of I knew I knew what the experience was, and I just walked. Away. Like there was there was nothing more to, to do. Like, right, it's, it's a novelty. It's not it's a pinball. Yeah. So what? What, did, what was their thinking? Did you did you find that out in the article? Somebody um, believed that size does matter. <laughs> I think 
Well, uh, I, I think they were just they were just looking at things that they thought operators would would think would make money. And uh, the only interesting, I guess, element that I can tell you about Hercules is that I be- my understanding is within Atari's pinball division, it was a different team that was doing that, and they. I think took a lot of the part, obviously it's very, very large, but they took a lot of the parts concepts and were trying to sort of mimic some of the stuff Bally was doing with that game. I would say they mimicked it in a very not successful way, <laughs> but, uh, are, some people will argue that it, well, it's not great because of some of the issues they faced with the sizing. And of course, trying to find parts at this point is incredibly difficult. Uh, it actually isn't terrible shooting. It's just, if it wasn't large, it would be very pedestrian game. But, uh, so yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's about all I know. They just, yeah, there were some different, there is were it, some different. Is it better things. than The Hobbit? Um, is it better than The I've Hobbit? not played Hercules, so I can't tell you. Yeah, that. I can't make a judgment call. I've not played it. I've just watched video of it. You could ask me if Superman is better exactly. than Hobbit. Is Superman better than The Hobbit? Uh, the rules are better, but it doesn't shoot as well. <laughs> <laughs> How, how about I would have that? Superman, uh, yeah, Superman unfortunately has a lot of wasted space. Hobbit actually uses its space relatively well. It's just, unfortunately, it's so wide open in that middle area. Uh, Superman makes you shoot around the table very, very, very well, but you got two spinner lanes and they are, especially the left one, it's super lame. It's so steep that you need a solid hit because it's got to go around and it just starts doing this like S shaped routing and you're like, what was what was Steve thinking? It was only a second game, so I guess he was thinking I had to use as much space as I could on these huge <laughs> wide body Ataris. Can you can you link in the show notes? I'll find the link for you. Um Carl D'Angelo playing his Hobbit at home and you tell me if it looks like a slow game. He, he ended up selling the machine, so So like, that tells know, me everything I need to know. They love the machine that it says <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it just—it's just saying that it's slow and floaty. It, like it's there's there's bad things about the machine, but slow and floaty, I think, isn't one of them. Mm, okay. Anyway, that's enough about the Hobbit. You got like the Hobbit is is probably done on this episode. <laughs> 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 Mentioned it so many times. That's fair. Okay. Well, we probably bagged on Hobbit enough, and we do have Ryan here, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move away from news now, and uh, we're gonna do a little segment on collecting. Uh, because Ryan, you're only our second ever real pinball collector. Our first one was Taylor, who we had a few, uh, episodes ago. And his collection approach was, I feel very different than yours because he started a long time ago. He built it up over time while he was mo- working on movie projects and such. Whereas you have a pretty sizable collection, I, I think. How many pins are you at at this point? 20. Oh, if I go on pin side, it's 22, but one of them. Uh, isn't mine. I'm, I'm minding it for a friend. So that's 21. And uh, one of them is... The answer we were looking for is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> a lot. <laughs> and we're looking for a lot. Okay. Okay. So you have over 20. I'm not going to make you name them all. That's just weird. Um, so I guess... So what's your, been your sort of your process? Because you acquired a lot of these over a relatively short period of time. I remember when you and Martin started your show up, it sounded like about every 16 hours you were going off and picking up another pen. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a, a weird period of my life where um, all these all these deals started to come up. And I was I was in the frame from mind that if I can, if I think I can buy a pen and it's a good enough deal that I'm not going to lose on it, um, I'll buy it, I'll, you know, and I'll, and I'll tick, tick it off my list. Um, I, I guess I've never really had a hobby um, 
that I've, I've liked so much in my life. And I, I wasn't the kind of guy that went out in my twenties and, and spent, you know, $200 getting drunk every, every night. So I guess I felt like I can splash out on this. I, you know, I, I finally found the thing in my life that I can go and, and spend my life savings on. Um, so, and, and we'll, yeah, we'll make sure your wife doesn't hear that part <laughs> of the, 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 the conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I did buy a, a lot of pinball machines, but I also have turned over a lot as well. Um, but I, I finally, I mean, since that point in the podcast, I finally kind of calmed down and I haven't really bought, you know, I think I bought one machine in the last maybe four or five months. So I've, I've, I've slowed down. Well, I was, uh, I was curious because of that volume, not just of, of acquisition, but also of, uh, release turnover uh what what were the challenges what are what are the challenges of a collector that is looking to maintain a sizable collection that sees a lot of rotation like what you were seeing well uh well i mean maintenance wise i mean i would always try and buy machines that were kind of ready to go you know they were all kind of the belly williams era like the, the 90s onwards and uh i would kind of make sure that the machines weren't projects because you know, you got limited time when you have a family to, to spend on, on pinball. And I don't want to spend that time fixing machines. I wanted to spend time playing them. And I guess early on, I had a different frame set, a frame of mind that I've, I've got now. And I would buy these Bellywim games and I would pretty much just play them nonstop until I got to the wizard mode. And then I would sell them. Like I would immediately not want them in my house anymore. Um, because I guess I came from a video gaming background and, um, I, I know video games are a lot different now that you kind of play them forever. They don't have an end. Um, but I've been playing since I was a little kid and, you know, you, you get a game, you finish it and, uh, I, I would move on to the next. So that kind of happened until I got Attack from Mars and it was a, the very first game that I got to the end. I, I ruled the universe. I didn't touch anything. I didn't adjust any outlines. It was the same machine that, um, a whole bunch of uh, Aussies as part of the community had. It was like a the high school list. There was like five different people. It was amazing. And I got to the rule of the universe and I was like, wow, like I don't want to sell this game. Like it's it's it was that much fun. And it was the first game that I ever kind of like, okay, how do I how do I make this more fun a second time? So I went into the settings and took extra balls off and I, I maxed out the outlines and from then I've kind of adopted a different policy where games in my collection can be different if I make them different and if I like a game enough it can survive and I don't have to get a new game in here all the time because I'm I'm running out of uh, titles to to choose and if I like the core game enough um, you can modify a game to be harder so that um, you, you don't get to the end so easy and it doesn't become boring and mundane. Okay. Well, you know, uh, in terms of running out of titles, uh, there's a whole line of premiere out there waiting for you. So just, yeah, let's keep it in mind. Just keep it. In, I'm just saying, just keep it in mind. Uh, teed off is always looking for a new home. Um, uh, so o- overall, I guess, what, what do you think based off of your extensive experience in collecting? What, what are some good practices for the modern day collector? Uh, and I'm thinking someone looking to actually get started in today's era. Uh, because, uh, for example, Taylor was, he had a very unique viewpoint and it started back before there was the resurgence and things were, I mean, the environment was different. The pricing was different. What was available was different. The inability to get parts was different. Uh, but 
you've come at it much more recently. So I'm just, I'm curious in terms of good practices because I don't, I don't buy enough new pin or enough pins period to really <laughs> tell you what's a good practice or not. Yeah, I guess, um, I've only ever bought two new machines. It was the Wizard of Oz and, and the Hobbit. Um, I, you know, regardless of how many sterns I have, and I have a lot, I've never bought one new. And, um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure why, but I guess everyone is in the hobby for a, a different reason. So, um, you put the, the collector tag on me, but I, I just feel like I'm a guy with a lot of pinball machines versus a collector. Cause when I think of a collector, I mean, there's so many guys I'm friends with here that, like they have so many more machines than me and they're in some, some of them are in better condition. Some of them aren't, but they, they, they hardly play them at all. They're more like they're, they're trophies. Um, you know, they've, they're, they're in their, like their late fifties, for example. And, you know, they've had a successful business and th- this is their, instead of buying like a, a half a million dollar car or something, you know, th- this is their prize. This is their trophy for, um, all the hard work they've done in their life is having all these pinball machines. Um, I'm not like that. I like to actually play the machines a lot. Um, so I don't mind if the cabinet on the side is completely faded as long as the, the price reflects it. I just want it to play well. Um, I, I would rather a faded, um, machine with the head box all, all dinged up playing beautifully than a fully restored machine that doesn't feel right, that has, uh, you know, the millisecond flipper delay. Um, so. Oh, those AFMRs, terrible. <laughs> Ruined. So, uh, That's. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how to answer the question and give advice or, 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 or talk about collecting because as I said, I, I have a lot of machines and I have a, a large collection, but I don't class myself as someone who has pinball machines just for the sake of, of having nice pinball machines. Okay. Well, yeah, you're obviously it's not, you don't have a, what I would call a, a museum collection. You're not, you're not a diaper rubber as some others would, <laughs> would, <laughs> no, des- would but, describe it as. Yeah. But, but let's see. I don't know. What, what would, what do you define collection as, Tony? I, I would say if you have over 10 of something, you probably collect. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. That's, that's safe, that might be the, that that's might a be safe the round number. Yeah. Okay. Let's change it to something like, you know, some people collect toys, right? And some people collect, you know, they, they leave them in the box and they've left them in the box for 30 years. To me, that's a collector. Someone who has a lot of toys out of the box that they kind of like, you know, when you're a kid, you, you play with the toys and you have your imagination and stuff like that. That's not really collecting to me. That's just having a lot of stuff that you, you use. It's the whole minimalist, uh, minimalist argument. Like my wife went through this phase as, you know, all wives go through, through different phases and she, she read all the books about minimalism and she said like, okay, let's clear out our closet. Like you haven't worn this pair of jeans in like three years and this and that. And I started to freak out. I'm like, oh my God, what happens when she gets to the, the pinball room? <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 that's, that's not included. Like you, you use them all the time. So that's not being minimalistic. Like being minimalistic means you, you chuck out stuff or donate them that you don't use. It has no purpose in your life. It doesn't bring you any happiness. So that's how I try and, and, and treat my collection as, um, if, if a pinball machine is sitting there doing nothing, then it has to go. Um, but if it's getting used and it brings joy to either me or someone that enters my pinball room, then I keep it. Okay. I can, I can fully see that. That's, that's a very valid argument. All right. Well, okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and move away from collecting. We're going to move, move to something that's near and dear to Ryan's heart. And that is data. Yes. Okay. Well, as we were having Ryan on, so naturally I said, okay, Ryan, is there anything we like to do deep dive segments? We do them quite often here. Uh, and I just, 
I asked, uh, assuming that you would actually have said, no, Dennis, uh, there's nothing, nothing I really want because no one ever really asks for, suggests anything for data segments. So <laughs> instead he's like, actually, I would love to be able to talk about, uh, pin side ratings and what the impact of ownership has on that. So I reached out to Robin at Pin, who owns and operates Pinside, and he was more than generous enough to give me uh, data extracts because it would have been very tedious to do it manually. So I've passed that information on to Tony. I've passed it on to Ryan. Uh, and we, what we did based off of Robin, Robin's data extracts is we obtained some figures regarding the top 200 games. And so just to lay it out for, for those listening, because again, it's data and it can be, I think, difficult to consume in an audio medium. So I'm going to try and explain it in, in a concise way. Here's what we got. We got the top 200 games by current people who say they own it currently, people who say they used to own it, people who have it on their wish list, and then people who rated the game, but it wasn't flagged as being an owner, an ex-owner, or on the wish list. So we call that the no indication category. So out of, and we got the overall, what are the overall top 200? And all this was from April 13th. Now, our overall top 200 data did not match the actual top 200 ranking wise on Pinside. And the reason for that is the Pinside list that you see when you go to the website, they are applying some filtering for what what's referred to as bogus ratings mm-hmm. because there have been a lot of complaints that people are deliberately giving games tens and ones to skew votes. And so certain votes are thrown out. They're not thrown out in our data set though. So they're included. Uh, but the rule about needing 15 votes to qualify still held true. And the way that worked is by category. So the top 200 games by current owners, it required 15 owners to have rated that game. Otherwise, it wasn't eligible to be in the list. Because of that, we don't actually have 200 games from the no indication category. We only have 145 because that's exactly how many games had 15 ratings from people who didn't say they ever owned it or wanted it. Okay, so that's that's our methodology. Those are the, the parameters. So... Uh, in terms of, oh, the other thing to note is games with multiple versions, like Pro and Premium LE, they're all, all the ratings are combined. He, they're, they're not segregated out that way. So when we were looking, uh, let's talk about the top categories first. So of the top 10 games of each classification, so we have the overall class, and then we have the owner, ex-owner, wishlist, and no indicator. There are eight games that were shared across all five of those top tens. Medieval Madness is on all of them. Uh, Twilight Zone, Attack from Mars, Monster Bash, Lord of the Rings, Adam's Family, Indiana Jones, the good version, and, uh, and, uh, Metallica. So the ranks weren't always in the same spot, but so, but most of the, obviously we've got eight of the top 10. Everyone's like, yes, we agree. So the differences dialed in. Dialed in is on the overall rating top 10 at number nine, on the owner list at 10, and on the ex-owner list at nine, but it's not on the wish list and it's not on the no indicator top 10. Tales of the Arabian Nights is on the overall list at 10th, the owner list at 9th, and the wish list at 6th. And Star Trek The Next Generation, it's only on the ex-owner list, and that's at 10th, and Circus Voltaire only shows up on the no indicator list, which it sits eighth place. So 
Are there any thoughts on that, uh, that base data? And I, I sent you guys graphs of it. And ultimately, I'll, I plan to put a post probably in the next couple of days on Pinside sharing all this information because that's where it comes from. So I'd say, first of all, it, it seems like everybody who wanted to dialed in got a dialed in. <laughs> I asked for this data. I guess this was my idea, and now I'm just looking at everything, and I'm so, I'm just so confused. I'm like, wow, I'd hate to do this for a job because this, the graphs and the numbers, I just, my brain just just dies. I'm just. It can it can get pretty, and, and the way and the reason why it's probably more overwhelming uh, to you and Tony than it is to the audience because they don't they didn't see that I did a top ten graph, a top forty one to fifty, a top and a top ninety one to a hundred. I actually did every fifty up to the ninety one one ninety one to two hundred. Uh, I think the main takeaway regarding the top 10 is that regardless of whether someone has ever owned the game or wanted the game or not, most of those games are agreed upon as being the best games. So there's a high degree of conformity regarding that top list. When you start to say, let's hop over to the top four, number 41 to 50, you start to see a lot of degradation at that point. So for example, there's not a single game that exists in all five of those classifications. There are a couple that were in four of the five, like Elvira and the Party Monsters. It's in four of the five. Roadshow is in four of the five as being somewhere between 40 and 50. But no one, no game could make it all the way across. And so unlike what we saw with the top 10. So, and it only deteriorates more as we go further down the ranks, which again, isn't surprising because we're adding in another 50 games as we go along. Things are shuffling about quite a bit. Um, I, what I think maybe is, uh, is more interesting would be the, and what I think you were getting at, Ryan, when you suggest the idea was, is there a notion that maybe owners inflate the rating of their games? compared to other classifications. Would would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, and it kind of goes back to the whole collecting thing we were talking about. You know, sometimes people just collect because they want to feel special and say, hey, I've got right. I've, I've got Pirates of the Caribbean and it has three spinning discs. Your, your machine doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I'm going to give it a 10. Right. And so it make, makes total sense to me. You could also argue that some owners might inflate their rating so that it's easier to uh, sell the game at a higher uh, markup than what they might otherwise get. All, all sorts of motivations. So what I did is I took all of the games, which because of that top 200 out of all these different categories means I had 234 games. And what I did is I just put a little formula together and it just looked and it said, which owner classification, I'm even counting wish lists as an owner, all this I'm thinking of in terms of owner or not, or overall or whatnot, which one had the highest rating for any given game, just to see how many times a particular category had the highest rating. And that breakdown was overall was the highest 17 times, which I don't think is surprising because it's an averaging that it would be the, that, that's the lowest for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't know. Owner 28 times, ex owner 27 times, no indication 47 times, and wish list 115 times. <laughs> it's like 49.9% of the results. Wish list obviously thus leads by a large margin. Uh, that is followed by no indication, then owners. So I, at first I was like, oh, owners isn't the highest. That sort that really surprised me. And then I thought, well, I guess it makes sense. People who really have decided they want a particular game, if they've rated it honestly, they probably are looking at that with rose colored glasses and are saying, that game is incredible. I must own it. But then they get it and it's Hobbit and they're like, oh, 
revise. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> is this is this episode going to be called "The Hobbit Sucks"? <laughs> I I hadn't. I was going to try and do an alliteration with your name, Ryan, because that's what I always try and do with people. But I couldn't find a good R word that meant pinball. So, yeah, I think maybe. Okay. maybe no, I don't want to. I don't want to offend JJP. We already had that whole segment on. Pirates, hey, no, so. you might be do- you might be doing him a favor and divert all of the bad press that Pirates of the Caribbean is getting to- towards Hobbit. Or it'll confuse people to show up in their podcatcher and they'll be like, what is this episode from 2015 showing up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so, so anyway, so, uh, so, so wish list led. Um, I, I mean, I ultimately, I thought that made a lot of sense. Tony, what was your... What no, your no, I, I was a little surprised at first, but what, like you, once I started thinking about it, it made sense that the wish list is going to lead uh, because more likely than not, it's like, oh, I love this game. I'm ranking it high. It's on my wish list. I eventually want one. So no, it, it, it makes sense to me. Uh, it, it is interesting to me that uh, on the X owners, how Star Trek popped up in the top 10 on X owners. That sounds like a lot of regret to me. Sounds like mm. a lot of people are like, I-, I shouldn't have gotten rid of my Star Trek. Yeah. Which Star Trek was, was the that? Next Generation? Oh, Next Gen. Next Gen. Next Gen. Okay. I'm, personally, I've always been a bit surprised that uh, that game is that high. I don't think it's a top 10 game. Um, I haven't rated it, I don't think, on Pinside. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's got some of the best callouts in all of Pinball because they got like the entire Next Gen cast. But Stern Star Trek plays so much better than the Williams version. So much better. Ryan, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, just a, a little side thought. It'll be interesting to see if, if just, um, some of these newer games like dialed in and I guess now, um, Keith Elwin's game, um, Iron Maiden can kind of break the, the top five of pin size top 100 because, you know, those, those top five there have kind of been unmoved for a while and they're all kind of like have a, a little bit of nostalgia. You know, there's, um, uh, Lord of the Rings is the newest game in there. And, you know, it, it is dialed in and is Iron Maiden a better game than all those other games, but will the collector community kind of like force those games out because they, they don't want those golden, you know, the, the remade titles touched because they're so good. Um, my, my thoughts. I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I wanted some kind of like evidence that people pump up the games that they, uh, that they own, but, it's it's not there as much as I I, I thought it was going to be with your with your data. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. And, we had we but we had to go where the it, truth takes us. Darn data ruining a perfectly good <laughs> hypothesis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and that and that's why I asked you. I said, oh hey, how about this this other bit? I I made you work. Oh, uh, yeah, made you work I, for all that all that sponsorship money. A, a seamless transition, Ryan. Uh, straight down the middle would be very proud of you uh, because you're you are forcing us to not fail <laughs> for this one episode. Uh, so yes, yeah, so uh, so Ryan got the these results on the pin side ratings and ownership, and he found the the results completely lackluster. So he decided he wanted another data segment in addition. <laughs> Where we could talk about, hey, well, what about the pin side ratio? What about games? And, and he'd specifically pointed about looking at Stargazer, uh, and saying, what about these, ta- the idea of games and that are wish listed versus owned? Like, where, where does that fall? So I contacted Robin again and I was like, hey, Robin, you know, what you did was swell, but we'd like some even more data. And Robin was like, that's a great idea. I'd love to give you more data. So, <laughs> so on April 18th, he went ahead and he pulled the top 200 solid state games on Pinside, same parameters as before, you know, 15 votes, all that. 
but not segregated by ownership or not. Just he gave me the number of times that particular game was wishlisted and the number of times it was listed as being owned, a number of owners, according to the Pinside site. So there, so we put those together. I sent you guys the, uh, some charting of the top 10 pins, which we'll, we'll walk through. I want to note that out of the 200 games that were provided, 74 of them have a higher wish list count than they do an owner count. So, and the results were, uh, in terms of ratio, the number one game uh, with a higher wish list ratio versus a ownership ratio is Kingpin, uh, 59 to 3 ratio. Uh, number two is the Big Lebowski. Number three is Alien. Number four is Lexi Lightspeed Escape from Earth. Number five is Joust. Six is Defender. Seven is Spirit. Eight is Stargazer. Nine is Total Nuclear Annihilation. And 10 is Mystery Castle. So, Ryan, what you what stood out to you the moment you got these? Because I think this is, this is much easier to understand than all that other data. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I guess that in the in the top ten, the things that that stood out to me is that three of those probably not shouldn't be there because I mean the data is the data. But I mean, total nuclear annihilation. If you look at the um, the amount of owners, it's at a hundred and eleven. So I guess people are treating their pinside collection very seriously, and they're not. You know, they might have pre ordered it, but they're not adding it to their collection yet. So that that number will go down um, eventually to what it's meant to be, and the same with Alien and uh, and Big Lebowski. If people are ever able to to get theirs, um, the owner's count of Kingpin is three. Um, obviously, we we kind of know the exact figure of of what that's meant to be, but I guess that is also represented in the wish list. Like, there's probably a lot more people than sixty people that want a big uh, that want a Kingpin. But they're not on pin sides updating their their collection. Um, what else can we can we decipher from that? So I guess if you kind of ignore Kingpin a little bit um, because of of that and uh, Big Lebowski and yeah, what's Lexi Lightspeed doing there? <laughs> That's what okay. I have uh, no idea. All right, yeah. Uh, now I I need to say I I don't really know what Defender or Mystery Castle are. So I, I can't really comment much on the popularity of those. I, I'm assuming they were relatively low run games. Uh, actually, I mean, I, I guess that's the unifying factor for most of these. I mean, Joust is low run, Stargazer is low run, Lebowski and Alien are low run, but they shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> they weren't supposed to be low. Uh, run. I mean, te- technically, Lexi is. Uh, you know, I've wondered. Well, let me let me jump back to to Kingpin at first. Do you guys think that this Kingpin, which because this number comes from April 18th. Do you think the kingpin number on the wish list side of the ratio surged after Texas Pinball Festival? That was my very first thought is I wish we had a number from before Texas because that would have been an interesting comparison. I'm surprised Bing Bang Bar isn't higher. Where is it? It's at uh, 14, Bing Bang Bar. Um, and I guess there is a lot more of them. The owners count on Big Bang Bar is 104. So that's, I guess, uh, more than half of the owners. Um, so I guess the, the but the ratios are, are way out there. I, I guess it's just that it's it's the mystique of you know what what is the game and and uh, you know people really haven't played this. I don't believe there's any on site like there are Big Bang Bars. People want what they what they can't have. And I wonder if a lot of people wish list things while they while they wait because right outside of the top ten at at eleventh is is Houdini. Yeah, yeah. and I mean it's got it's got yeah. tight shots. <laughs> Does it? Um. 
<laughs> you may you no, may not have heard, but Houdini first, has first some tight I've shots. I mean, the reason why I kind of um you know brought brought this up and and messaged you about it is that I kind of started a, a little hunt for a stargazer and. Sometimes the, the the harder it is to get something, the more you want it, and it's just that human nature of of wanting something that you that you can't have. And I was just like, I went on the the owners list, and wow, there's only sixty five owners on on Pinside, and uh, and you know over one hundred and fifty people want it because it's just a low production unit. And uh, once people know that they can't buy another one after they sell it, they they hold on to them. Right. Yeah. It's, well, you know, it, it gets a, it's, it's actually, it's pretty fun to play. It, it is very fun. The art package sells it for a lot of people who don't care about gameplay. Uh, last, when we once did our 1980s solid state tournament, uh, Stargazer was the highest rated stern electronic game. I remember going into that. Uh, and I think a lot of it was driven by, by the artwork. I mean, there are, you know, there's some fans of the old Stern Electronics who kind of uh, think every single one of those games is good. Um, they're not, by the way. There's a very samey sort of feel to a lot of them, <laughs> but, but a lot of them are fun. Uh, and that one is, we actually had one on location for a while. Uh, not a good pin to operate apparently. Uh, but it was, it was nice. It was a nice treat to have one that played so well. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely not say no to getting a, a stargazer. Um, uh, yeah, I think on a lot of these, yeah, clearly there's just a lot of, when you look at this list, there's a lot of people who maybe really wanted to buy something. And then because of issues, they've just sort of kept it on the wish list side of things is what, that's the vibe I get with, I could see maybe like, like total nuclear annihilation being there. The, the production speed is very slow. Uh, so there's that. And there are also a lot of people who probably liked the gameplay, but don't think it's a $6,000 game. So they put it on the wish list because maybe they can pick it up used for $500 less in a couple of years. And, you know, that's what they're doing because you get those and on Pinside, you do get those reminders or you can when your wish list games come up on sale. I do. Uh, I had to start de wishlisting anything that was commonly sold because I got tired of seeing ads three thousand miles away for games because I wasn't going to go to that much trouble for pen for pinbot. I mean, we have to have some law here. <laughs> what I mean, one other thing that I since you kind of include all the data, I kind of sort it by um, you know owners count and wishes count, and then you kind of see a bit of a trend, and you're like, wow, did did. CGC use this for their, their, their remakes. Like, uh, you know, Medieval Man, this is up there. And, and I mean, this is pretty obvious anyway. Um, but it, it's crazy to see all that data in, in, in one spot versus clicking on a title individually. Like the, the wishes count for Twilight Zone is still at 1,300, um, which is the, the most out of any machine. And then it's Medieval Madness. Adam's Family, Monster Bash, Theater of Magic, and I, I, I wouldn't have thought that Theater of Magic was that high. Um, that you know, one thousand plus people have it on their wish list just on pin signs. Seems a bit higher than normal. Theater is not a bad. It's not a bad game, but it's not a great game. I, I don't understand. I, the art's great on it, but I don't know. I've never understood. I've never understood. I don't want to understand. Maybe is the issue. I don't. Know. Yeah. We have one on location. Seven hundred. Uh, you know, I'm fine playing it. It's 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 a fan layout game that isn't as executed as well as anything that Brian Eddy did. I just I don't I don't I just don't get it. But I don't I don't understand. It's not as pretty as Tales of the Arabian Nights. So if you're going for art, why not go for the better art package? I don't. You know, I don't understand. 
I'm just a, simple, under I'm glass. just a simple podcaster. A world. Uh, I want. I said that. Um, uh, I'm going to do an aside. Uh, Nick from uh, the EM Pinball Tour, who we we interviewed well, way back, like in November or so. He was in town a different time, and I went over to a collector's house, and <laughs> I hadn't been drinking. I do promise, but I. I just kept saying "world under glass," and th- another person couldn't understand what I was saying because I was saying I was drawing out "world" that much. I was going "world." He's like, "What? What are you talking about?" And I said, "I'm talking about the world under glass. Don't you care about your world?" And so he doesn't talk to me anymore, and I assume he thinks I'm insane, and that's okay because we can't all like me. But yes, "world under glass" very important to some people. Not very important to me. Is I learned this- a long time ago. Are you going to start a pinside thread on this as well and release all the all the data? For all uh, the yeah, I haven't decided if I just put it all in the same thread or not. I might. Here's the thing. One time I did another data pool with Robin. Not. Uh, I don't even know if I covered it on the podcast. I might not have. It may have just been. For, sometimes I just want to nerd out on things. And I got all this data. I did a regression analysis involving ownership data. That's why I knew I could get the extract pulled because Robin helped me out before with it. And I went and I put it up on pinside. I had this whole write up. There were 10 posts in that thread when it was done. 10 posts and like five of them were me responding to people. And one guy went in and said something along the lines of, wow, some people are really into this hobby. I'm like, what? What a bunch of, yeah. I'm like looking at these post counts and I'm like, I'm not the guy with 3,500 freaking posts. Talking about spinning pizza discs. <laughs> I went and did something meaningful, and this is the thanks I get. Oh, you had a lot of time on your hands. We must be really into this hobby. Regression. Yes, <laughs> Nerd. Come on. You, you know what it's like these days? People want that, that instant satisfaction. You need to turn these graphs into like memes or something, you know, like, you know, s- somehow dumb it, dumb it down so that the, the common folk like do it, can, do it. So know, it's in full movie like video, video like, oh, wow. YouTube videos of it. It's just the graphs popping out and sections of a pie chart shooting out at you. And exactly. I mean, like the Boromir poster, one does not simply wishless things on pen side. Sort of. Yeah. Exactly. Name the entire yeah. well, thing. Well, I'll, I'll can. <laughs> you get at least at least eleven or twelve uh, comments. Yeah, yeah I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll up it. I'll just start tagging people's now, like Ryan's tag in there, so that I'll, I'll force people. There's oh, this is so clever of you, dude. You know, and they won't really mean it, but I don't, it doesn't matter. You're just trying to get them like button clicks. <laughs> um, okay, so those were our exactly. data segments. So it's time to play a little game. Uh, you and Martin Ryan like to play games a lot. I've noticed. Uh, on your podcast. Yeah. Keep it fresh. That's right. Keep it yeah, interesting. You, yeah. You have, you have some pretty clever ones. I, I have a pretty clever one too. I call it slam the top 101 to 200. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for those that don't know, uh, on head to head pinball, Ryan and Martin play a game every episode. It's called slam the top 100. Where Ryan asks his Google phone to randomize numbers, they edit out all the repeat numbers they get. So 30 minutes later, they have two games matched up from the top 100 on pin side, and they each take 30 seconds to argue in favor of the game they've been randomly assigned, and 30 seconds to rip apart the opposing person's game. And then they put a poll up on pin side. So we're going to do basically the same thing, except I don't want to use the same games. So we're going to do the top 101 to 200. We're not asking Google. I'm going to use random.org to do it. And instead of just giving you 30 seconds to 
argue for and 30 seconds against. You're going to actually get 30 seconds to argue in favor of your game, 30 seconds to argue against Tony's game, and 30 seconds to argue against my game. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So you might. I just, I'm, I'm just. I'm looking at. So I'm just looking at all these games, and I'm like, I, I know, like maybe thirty or no, something. No. Yeah. This is going to suck. It's going to be terrible. That's why we're never going to repeat this segment ever again. But we're- I, I hope I get um, number one hundred and forty-six, which is Defender, and I can say, hey, a lot of people want it. A lot of people want okay. it. Okay. So uh, I'll go ahead and generate yours first here, so that you can go ahead and look it up, Ryan. And let me get the random. Okay. Let me click. And your number is not that. It's 189. Oh, Airborne. Oh, I've heard of that one. Isn't that a Capcom game? Oh, hey. Yes. I've, I've had this in my collection oh, for two days. <laughs> that is going to be more than uh, <laughs> than probably any anything that either Tony or I get. <laughs> All right. So let me give Tony his number. Tony, your number is 184. Jiminy Christmas it likes the 180. <laughs> yeah. And that's Pharaoh. I've heard of that one. I've played that as well. This is this is a fluke. Yeah, you're 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 acting like yeah, you're not going to know any of these things. All right, and what's my number going to be? One fifty-seven. So that is Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Okay. Oh yeah, I saw that one up that's for sale. Some, uh, that, that's some real random there. <laughs> you guys are going to realize how hard this is when there's just thirty seconds and you just panic about what you. No. Now you guys normally do it in the order. Uh, whoever got the easy, the best rated game had to go first, right? That's right. All right. So we'll we'll, we'll stick with that because we're we're basically stealing your concept. So that means I'll go first. Uh, Tony will go second, and you will go last. Okay. So, Who's going to do the timer? Here, I've already got it up on my phone. Oh, do you? Okay. Yep. I'll let you do it. Uh, you let me know when you are ready, and I will begin arguing in favor of Starship Troopers. Ready? I'm ready. Go. Okay. Starship Troopers, Weld Under Glass. This is an incredible game on, uh, on Sega. It uses the white star board system. It's got a little flipper that you can control with a separate button. It actually shoots really, really well. It is a fairly typical fan layout, but it is executed with precision. It's got four, uh, four different modes. Uh, the right out lane is also the ball shooter lane. Uh, the back box is weird. It's got this sort of convex format. It's got these LED counters in the play field, the brain bug pop up toy. It's got a warrior bug that moves around and you get to do a live fire simulator target attack that's all I need. wow that was that was really a lot of information <laughs> i've played starship troopers a few times okay tony you're gonna time yourself you yeah i'll time on myself the okay. <laughs> well done the glass uh, yeah well you can't say that with Farah. <laughs> <laughs> okay here we go Feral, it's got a wonderful looking background, a crazy looking guy. It's got that Egyptian theme that is so wonderfully loved by people, uh, time and time over. Four flippers, three slingshots, drop, some drop targets. Everybody loves a good drop target, good captive ball. It's got the magna save. And if you don't love a good magna save, you, what's wrong with you? I mean, seriously, it's got multi ball. It's got a split pay, play field. It's got a kicker in the upper play field. That's the kind of stuff that you just don't see anymore. <laughs> All right, uh, and then I've never seen this game in my entire life. <laughs> well, you did pretty good. You did pretty good. All right, and so go ahead. Uh, All right, that's when you ready, set. Ryan? Yeah. All right, go. World on the glass. Um, airborne, beautiful game by Capcom. You got the sun setting on the the cabinet, and you've got a little naked girl on the side as well. If you if you really um, like that kind of stuff, um, one of Capcom's best, probably their second best game, and. Uh, I know this may be a linear game, and that's what people um, have, have a knock on it, 
but linear games like dialed in is linear. It's good if the modes are good. Super powerful flippers to get up those steep ramps. Wire forms. If you love wire forms, um, you can't see the player field. There's wire yeah. forms everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> if you love wire forms. <laughs> okay. Some people got a thing for wire forms, man. <laughs> All right. So, Tony, uh, when you're set for me, I'll spend 30 seconds to attack Pharaoh, and then I'll need another 30 seconds to attack Airborne. <laughs> All right. Ready? Go. Okay, Pharaoh. This game sucks. It is terrible. <laughs> you haven't ever played it before. That is good. It has a lame two ball multi ball. That's all it's got going for it. That upper play field. Talk about it. Grand Lizard looks better with its upper play field. You can't keep the ball up there. There's nothing good about this. It's a Williams System 7, a board set that was best left in the dustbin of history. There's really nothing redeeming about this beyond the name. <laughs> That's all the time I want. Okay. You had another second and a half. Okay. And let me get uh, prepped here for... What has that pharaoh guy got on his chin? I don't know. I zoomed in on the picture and I just don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, whenever your timer's set, I'll be ready. Ready? Go. All right. Uh, Airborne. Uh, Capcom. Total disaster of a company. Their only good game was the one that never came out, Kingpin. This game is terrible. The art package is incredibly boring. All it is is a bunch of sunset colors strip, stripe, striped everywhere. Habitrails, more like habit derailed because this game doesn't ever let you play. Not to mention the entirely completely linear rule set, which was a staple of Capcom because they didn't know how to program anything. It's by a nobody designer with a nobody artist. Pilot, you're cleared for takeoff into fail. That Go should on. have been. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, Tony, uh, first 30 seconds will be to attack Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Wonderful book turned into a below average movie. And then they took and made a pinball off of it. I mean, if it had been off the book, it might have at least had some hopes and dreams. But this is just a pile of crap. I mean, look at the, the entire play field's eaten up by just a little data screen that doesn't give you anything. There's nothing interesting to see on it. The Basham brain bug is just a waste. There's too many flippers. And it just doesn't shoot well at all. Anybody who could even have a dream of playing a good game isn't here. <sighs> that movie was fun, so I do take umbrage with that. But the movie was fun, but it wasn't Starship Troopers. That's the problem. It's called Starship Troopers. Well, sure, it's called Starship Troopers. What was what was the tagline? Do you do you want to live forever, or do yeah, you want to? Yeah, yeah. What was the thing that he says before uh, he goes to battle? Come on, you apes! Do you want to live forever? I think it's better just to say, "Would you like to know more?" Yeah. <laughs> Well, the tagline for the pinball machine was be a trooper. And it's like, yeah, you got to be a trooper to play this bloody game. <laughs> there was an extra two seconds of smashing on that game for you. Yeah, I felt that. Yeah. So, cheating. Cheating so, me. Okay. Now I have to bash on Airborne. All right, here we go. Airborne. And for some reason on the side of the, the machine, to start anything out, it's a bunch of Navy jets. So I'm pretty certain they're not part of the Airborne. I mean, just going to float this out here, but I don't think the Army flies F-18s. But on top of that, yeah, it, why are they flying in front of Jupiter? That also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Nothing about this game. The art's bad. The gameplay is bad. And it's by Capcom. Capcom, who hasn't put out a good game on anything in, what, five years? Never played that one either. Well, you did your best. <laughs> okay, so Ryan, your first 30 seconds will be to attack Starship Troopers. 
Or you could just pass and acknowledge that okay. it is a great game. That is an option. Okay. L- let me know when you're ready. Ready? Go. Starship Troopers. A, a great movie, but this is what Stern and Data East relied on back in the day, is they, they had no original thoughts. They copied a popular theme at the time and tried to make a good game around it. Um, Joe Belser, you know, some decent games he's made, but this is, this is not one of them. And... Uh, let me just finish off with a story which has nothing to, nothing to do with slamming. <laughs> I've got a friend who came from a different country, okay? Alright, I've got a friend who came from a different country. This is a, this is a funny story, okay? And you're and he, done. He had this really, he had this really. <laughs> that was a great story. Good job. No, okay. No, no. I, I, Pre- I prepare for Farrah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, come on, finish your story. I've got, a, I've got, a, okay, I've, these two friends, they were from the Middle East and they came down to Australia and they wanted a more of a, like a Western name. So, and, and they were teenagers at the time and they, their parents were like, you know, choose your name, like first and last name. One of them named himself, uh, Sebastian Valmont, right? After, <laughs> Love it. Uh, what's, what's that, what's that movie? Um, Cruel, Cruel Intentions, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, like the, the, the hunky, hunky guy from there. And then he changed it back. He's back to being like a normal guy. <laughs> the, his brother, his brother who was older at the time, Named himself. This is on his his like his passport now, right? Johnny Rico. Okay. <laughs> I, swear, I, swear, I swear to God, and and he hasn't changed his name back, and he's getting married soon. So he's, there's a Middle Eastern guy named Johnny Rico just, getting married. To- <laughs> yes. So I just every time I think of Sasha Troopers now, all I think of is this guy That's who, awesome. who liked it when he was a teenager, and now it's his name. Forever. Well, he owns it. Oh he, gosh, he's, okay. he's still owning it. That's a, that's a solid story. <laughs> I thought that was that was more funny than, than Bag in the Pit. I agree. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> all right, Pharaoh. Ready? Go. I've played this game, and this game is an absolute bore fest. And the justification the owner gave was, "Oh, it's it's a cheaper and it's a better um, Black Knight 2000, <laughs> which is overrated. Um, it, it's it's nothing like that at all." If you look at the side of the cabinet, um, the cab is really nice art. The head box looks like a chicken with a giant lobe. Have a look. Like, what, what has that got to do with, with the pharaoh? Why is there a giant chicken on this machine? Um, you think Angus's face is ugly? Have a look at that face of that, the guy in the middle. Done. Disgusting. Horrible game. Okay. Well, I will figure out a way to, I guess, to do the three-vote poll on Pensine. We'll put, we'll put it out there so people can, can can go ahead and tell me that I won. Um, okay. So that was... Seriously, <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea what that's supposed to be. I mean, hanging off that guy's chin, it looks so terrible. <laughs> It looks like it looks like um like quarters like pretty quarters <laughs> maybe, here, maybe, and maybe that's they, how they end up on my chin. Maybe they thought it was sort of subliminal, you know, <laughs> trying to get money drops. We'll do a little subliminal coin drop. That's that's, <laughs> well, that's a walk on the glass. You put you put your penny in, you know, you you put your quarter in there, and it ends up on his chin. Yeah. So many halfway glass. decent games in there, and I got bloody Pharaoh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're heading into our last uh, section here in pinball, the worst of the fall pinball. A poll that has been going pretty well all in all. I've been pretty happy with it. I've been disappointed because of all this hate-based uh, stuff. Everything's based on hate. You have to embrace the hate. I've tried to keep things positive. I've been positive this entire show. I don't <laughs> I don't understand. Dennis and Tony 
hate is the gold standard. Uh, <laughs> hashtag the gold standard. Yeah. Well, we, we, do, we should strive. We should strive we should to strive. a higher level. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with our round two results. In what should not be a surprise to anybody, Popeye is a much worse game than Roadshow. So, uh, yes, by a lot, it, 91.8% of you think that Popeye is worse than Roadshow because you're all very smart, beautiful people. Uh, the next one was actually kind of a surprise to me. Uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, beat Pinball Magic. Um, maybe people like Pinball Magic more than well, I think. I'm assuming in the earlier segment when Ryan referenced that. Uh, Airborne was Capcom's second best game. I don't think he meant Kingpin was number one. I think he meant Pinball Magic, but I guess we'll ask him now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which production wise, I would agree. No, I a, think Pinball Magic is probably their strongest game. It's Kingpin. So we're going to follow that one <laughs> okay. up with, uh, Freddy beat the X Files. No surprise there. Yep. Um, Rescue 911 beat Twister, but 71%. No surprise. Uh, Shack Attack beat Flipper Football. Okay. Yeah, I abstained from that one because I, yeah, I'm, I'm just assuming that, I mean, it's all the flipper out. footballs like went to Europe. No yeah. one's played it. <laughs> uh, strikes and spares beat Big Hurt. Barbed wire beat Apollo 13 as it should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Andretti beat NBA fast break as it should have. Lost in space beat Royal Rumble as it most definitely should yes. have. If anything, that one was closer than I thought. That one was 76.6%. That's. That's closer than Lost in Space deserves. <laughs> <laughs> South Park beat uh, The Who's Tommy Pinball Wizard. Star Wars Trilogy beat Maverick. Space Jam beat Jackbot. Viper Knight Driven beat The Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, Star Wars Episode One beat Indianapolis 500. Harley Davidson beat uh, Corvette. And World Challenge Soccer beat Waterworld. Uh, honestly, other than the Pinball Magic one... I'm not surprised by any of those. No, the, I don't think there was anything shocking with these results. Uh, so what, what will happen now, Ryan, is uh, Tony's going to announce what each uh, round three matchup is, and we'll give our thoughts on which game we think is the worst of the two. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been playing along. I've oh, been good. Yeah, voice. so yep. just think about how you're going to actually vote, and now <laughs> you'll just articulate it verbally. All right. So with the, reasoning. With reasoning. The round three matchups. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Popeye saves the earth versus Guns and Roses. Okay, Ryan, we'll we'll let you lead off. You're, you're our guest. Popeye. Why? Because uh, Guns and Roses isn't isn't that bad, and uh, <laughs> it's the argument I guess that everyone uses is you can't see half the play field. Which hey, people are starting to use that for Alice Cooper as well. They're like, uh, oh, you can't see you know an Alice Cooper either, and it, it's funny how some things are okay. With some pinball machines and not okay in others. <laughs> mm, that's a that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, uh, as will be no surprise, I completely agree with you, Ryan. Popeye is worse than Guns N' Roses. I've articulated twice now the frustrations with being unable to see the ball. Also articulated with the poor geometry, and also it's it scores bonus bad points for being a contributing factor to the destruction of Williams Pinball Division. <laughs> It got bonus bad points. It's a, it's a bonus bad points. BBP. BBP. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm going to agree. I mean, Popeye, there's not enough spinach to make Popeye a better game than Guns N' Roses. Popeye's no. just... Ooh, the hat no, trick. No, it's done. 
<laughs> nice spinach reference. Too. So we're going to go ahead and jump there to the second round. It's going to be Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street versus Rescue 911. Ryan, you want to start? Yeah. Jeez, uh, I, I, I really should be abstaining because I haven't played um, Freddy, but <laughs> I have played Rescue 911. And um, when the helicopter grabbed the ball, I was like, this is the very first time I was playing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is cool. <laughs> And then I grabbed the ball again, and I was like, ah. And then I grabbed the ball again, I was like, huh. And then I was done with the game, and I never <laughs> wanted to play it again. <laughs> so I'll give it to Rescue 911. Um, I, I will abstain on this, as I've noted. I, I have not uh, played Freddy. Actually, on some of these, I've started to review footage because I need to start weighing in, but I have not gotten around to doing that for Freddy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with Freddy on this one. Um, I've not played Rescue, but I've played Freddy, and... It was bad. I just, I, I, the machine, the machine looked amazing, but the game played so bad. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you my, I do have a Freddy story, even though I've never played it. I'll tell a little Freddy story. So, uh, involves Pinside. There was a person on Pinside, uh, I think maybe out of Canada. I'm not sure. And he started posting, I don't even know why. I must have been really bored to if I went into a Freddy thread. Uh, <laughs> he's like trying to buy a Freddy. He's like, I really want to get a Freddy. I'm re- I really want one. And most of the comments were like, no, you don't. No, <laughs> you don't understand. He's like, oh, no, I, I love Freddy. It's I love. It's like my favorite horror series. Thing. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You don't want this game. What, what's uh, the full title of the game? Freddy, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Where is it ranked on, on the Pinside Top 100? It's not in the top 200. It might not be ranked. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> You got, if it doesn't have 15 votes, it ain't right. A lot, a lot of Gottlieb premier games are not ranked. Here it is, 237. <laughs> oh, okay. 98, 98 <laughs> rankings. It has it. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, it was one of their uh, higher production runs. Not as high. Rescue 911 is one of the most produced system three games ever. Uh, so more people would probably have experienced it. But anyway, I finally found one in the kind of near us in St. Louis area, which is about it's several hours. It's on the east side of Missouri, which is a, so basically it's one state away. And I sent him the link. This is like two weeks later. I sent him the link. I said, I don't know the seller. I don't know if this is a good price for the condition it's in, but I know you are looking for a Freddy. So I just want to let you know because they don't pop up all that often. So here's a link. <laughs> and the guy just responded, Oh, I changed my mind. okay well well, that was probably smart but but okay Uh, i wonder if he did the right thing and took it off his pin side wish list i hope those uh that data is nice and accurate (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point what's what's the third third matchup number three is shack attack versus strikes and spares Mm. i'm abstaining i'm just gonna flip that there's two strikes and spares right yeah, this is ninety. This is strikes. Mm, not <laughs> and. Mm, strikes. Mm, spares. Apostrophe. Uh, yeah. yeah, not not strikes and spares. Strikes and spares is a fun game. Strikes. Mm, spares. Is- <laughs> <laughs> it's it's as constipated playing as Tony's sound is apparently. Uh, <laughs> actually, this I- confused me at first when I put the list together. I'm like. I've played that game. I know that game. That game is not from '95. So I, when I started looking up it, I'm like, okay, no, this is a completely different I animal. I've not played either of these, so yeah. So likewise, I'm not going to vote on this. Uh, I think the strikes and, and spares uh, Gottlieb one plays almost like a bowler. Like he's got the pins that that sit down and they get knocked up, almost like a like yeah. a bowler. Yeah, uh, but I'm not certain on that. I don't know, Ryan. Do you have any thoughts on? That? Have you played the uh, version? Mm. I haven't played either one. But um, I, I guess I'll just look at the uh, 
like, oh, hey, I have played this. Yeah. I've played, played this. You probably owned it. This is, this is, this is not a pinball machine. This is, this is literally. This it's is, a bowler, so right? Made by Gutlieb. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. it's yeah, actually. I've, 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 now there's a problem in my list because there's well, a non pinball. It does have pinball. Game. I think it does actually have pinball flippers at the bottom, so it would be very easy to think of okay, it. Yeah, as a it, pinball it does. Game. It it does have yeah, it does have pinball, and it basically just re- it releases the balls kind of one by one. Like you press a button, it releases the ball, and you try and get a strike. So you're not really playing pinball. You're playing bowling, and you're propelling the balls with, like in a pinball manner. You know what? I don't know what they were I'm thinking. not going to abstain. Good for thanks for pointing this out. I'm not going to abstain on this. I'm going to vote for Shack Attack. To eliminate strikes and spares from being in contention because it shouldn't be here. I agree with you. I will do the exact same because I apparently we, messed up. What? I should I should have done more research when I put this list together. Oh, but then we wouldn't have had that perfect balance. Of I know that perfect sixty four was so Sa- nice. Was, uh, sacrifices had to be made. So we uh, pinball community, we ask for your help. Help us legitimately crush spikes and spares by voting for Shack Attack, which <laughs> nobody likes anyway. So thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So on to four. Barbed Wire versus Mario Andretti. Ooh, another Gottlieb matchup. Ryan's favorite uh, manufacturer, perhaps. <laughs> I haven't played either one of them, so I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll vote based off the, the translate later on today when you put up the threads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I will vote now. I did go and I explicitly went and reviewed Mario Andretti footage so I could have a reasonable competency and be able to assess the gameplay. I'm voting barbed wire. <laughs> All right. Mario Andretti. Send me, send me the, send me the link in the chat so I can, I can oh, put my votes okay. in as well. Don't make me do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, in terms of the, the toy on Mario Andretti is kind of lame. It's the, it's these two cars and they're like on a, just on a metal bar, helicopter bar that just spin around. Uh, so it looks really simplistic, <laughs> but the cars actually, like they do, they can, inter- I, it looks like they can interfere with the ball, but it, it whips around when certain modes are going. So it looks, it, none of that matters. You know what I think about toys? Nothing. It actually has geometric logic to it and barbed wire is a clunk fest. It's a clunk fest from the ball launch to everything else. So. Mario may not be a great game, but Barbed Wire is a bad game. I know Mario has unbalanced scoring, but so does Barbed Wire. So they are awash on the poor software. So there you go. See, I didn't do all this research, and I just know that Barbed Wire is such a bad game that there's no way that this early on in the matchups it's against something that's worse than it. Unless the only thing that, that could have could have done otherwise is that, like if it had meant like Lost in Space before now. <laughs> so uh, I'm lost going with Barbed Wire. Speaking of Lost in Space, that might be in our next round. It is in our next round. If I can think ahead. (laughs) It's Lost in Space in South Park. Well, this is interesting. Now, I'm assuming, uh, Ryan, you've played both of these games. I have, um, but I only played Lost in Space kind of once at Expo about a year and a half ago, and... My friend was like, Oh my God, Lost in Space. Like, there's like, there's pretty much none of these in Australia. And he made me play it. And I had no idea what I was doing. But what I did notice was the start of Multiball is pretty much what X-Men did. Like, they, they ripped off that start of Multiball where all the balls come down, get stuck on the spinning disc, and it spins around till they kind of come apart. So yeah, a, a disc with a magnet. Yeah. Hey, JJP, I have an idea for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so which one do you think is worse? Um, well, okay. I, I, 
I guess I've only played a couple of games on, on all of them. Uh, sorry, on, on both of them. But South Park, South Park was very important to my, uh, my childhood upbringing. And, um, and that, <laughs> the game, I, I know, it, I know it earns well on location because, hey, oh, look at South Park. And for a, a gobble hole to be like that big and for you, to, it, it's, it's the <laughs> epitomization of bad software where you hit things over and over again and eventually you get into a mode, the same shot over and over. It is like, Lonnie D. Rop, this time, chopping wood. Yeah, so South Park wins for me easily. Okay. While I sympathize with your position, I am going to vote for Lost in Space because all it is is multi ball after multi ball after multi ball. It's just as redundant as South Park. Arguably, its callouts are less annoying than South Park, but South Park has one key advantage. No one cares about that Lost in Space movie. And at least with South Park, you can become a hobby operator, stick it on route somewhere, and it's going to make bank for you. So but, at least but has that. So. But then there's, it's the whole thing. It's just kind of like, like Game of Thrones, you know, beautiful artistic world. And they show that piece of crap art. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> South Park had the potential oh, oh, to that's... be this, this amazing game, and it's not. Whereas... Um, lost in space. If no one cares about it, it's kind of like the shadow. Everyone like pumps up the shadow, but it's because no one cared about the movie. I, I, I see your point, but now, now in terms of Game of Thrones, though, a lot of people would argue Game of Thrones is an excellent piece of software and has really uh, quite good geometry. Could could you tell me about your issues with the gradient shading? I need to learn about gradient shading. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it, it's not about gradient shading. It's just obviously they they didn't have the the freedom to. Like, like Star Wars, you know, beautiful art and uh, like what we see on, on other pins. So it's just, you know, no. But they did get to use the, they did actually get to use the character assets. Unlike some things, <coughs> pirates. <coughs> <laughs> I mean, you, just, just saying, the, when, you, when we're talking the, weld the under glass, there's a lot, there are a lot of elements to that weld. <laughs> oh gosh. No, Game of Thrones is a massive fail and, and I own it, so. Anyway. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a South Park and Lost in Space. I don't care for a Game of Thrones just because I don't know how to play it. I, I, I get, I know which house I'm supposed to pick. I always, after that though, I've never just sat there and been like, okay, what is the order by which I progress through these modes? I, I don't think it's that hard to memorize the one right path because there is one right path as there always is, but. Uh, I just have not invested the time. We don't have one on location anymore, so I don't have any place to learn it. Sad. Or as the, when we had three of them on location, didn't have any interest in learning. <laughs> well, it's like two of the three locations were like premium models, which right. I just never liked. I don't like that upper play field. It's challenging, but I just don't find it fun. Um, you prefer the peasant model? I do. I'm I'm peasant biased. <laughs> I'm like the peasant ramp in medieval madness. You don't really want to do. You don't really want to appease me, but you got to stick it in there. So that's like that's me in a it's nutshell. The, the peasant peasant pro. It's peasant alliteration. Pro. Yeah. <laughs> peasant pro. I'm also gonna go with Lost in Space. Yes. Just, oh, just, just just because I think this is a, this is a situation where uh, very easily think both of these games could have gone on from here. I just, from personal experience, thinks Lost in Space is a much, much worse game. But, yeah. No. It, it, if they weren't against each other, I think they would have both made it through this round. Because there's not a lot else in the here that would have taken either of them out. Okay. Well, so, split decision. So, next up is the Star Wars Trilogy and Space Jam. 
Got the jam! <laughs> uh, Ryan, have you ever played Space Jam? Because I haven't. I haven't played Space Jam, and I also haven't played the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so do we have a unanimous abstention? Well, I mean, I, I will be, I will be abstaining. I have played Star Wars trilogy only a couple times, though. It is really bad, but I've heard terrible things about Space Jam, so I just don't. I didn't have time to review Space Jam footage yet. So yeah, no, I'm, I was so, abstaining. Yeah. I I almost bought a, a Space Jam simply a couple. Of, this is when I was first going to pinball because it was it was so <laughs> cheap, and uh, it got it kind of got it got snapped up. So I, I could have provided a really good opinion on it, and probably it would have been a lot of hate. But um, Space Jam Space Jam is a fun movie, and it's a fun theme. So when it, I said when a pinball machine is kind of like bad based off a bad movie, I don't I don't feel hate towards it. It's when it's like Star Wars and it's this like, you know, this much loved franchise. And that's when I'm like, ah, this should be so much better. But Star Wars has a 40X multiplier. Have you considered the 40X (laughs) multiplier? I just like was, to- was that around back then in, in 1997? Oh, All right, here's the here's the only thing I'm, I know. I mentioned it, I think, in round one with this. Here's the only thing I really remember about Star Wars trilogy. It has this massive gobble hole for the Sarlacc pit. I mean, there are a few. I don't know if you've seen like Super Mario Brothers from Premiere, but it has these it has these holes. They're ultimately they're they either feed to a subway or they're they're VUKs. You know they they function in a normal way like any other scoop or kick out would. Except for whatever reason in the playfield, they just huge. Yeah, the hole is like eight <laughs> times bigger than it needs to be. That is doesn't doesn't South Park have? The I think same yeah. You mentioned that. My, I couldn't my... remember if it did or didn't because I just remember the stupid toilet. But and the callouts that make your ears bleed. Yes, and the callouts. <laughs> I remember a lot of bad things about South Park. So so <laughs> just they're not as samey bad as Lost in Space. But yeah, so that's the only thing I remember about Star Wars trilogy. Star Wars trilogy is arguably the worst Star Wars game that was ever done. I don't know. I don't know if the the Hankin game is good or not. So. Never, you know, they didn't make very many. I don't think and it is. And they didn't get over to the U.S. very much. Yeah. So anyway, next up. Next up, Viper Knight Driven, Driven, <laughs> and Star Wars Episode One. Now, R- Ryan, you've surely played Star Wars Episode One. Used to Jar Jar Binks. Used to play pinball with me. Sorry, I swore. That was far from the first time. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> so you're 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 going with uh, Star Wars? Well, I'm I'm having a look at at Viper driving. Oh, you haven't now. played Viper? Uh, oh, it, 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 it's, it's got the wonderful global plasticky terribleness. Okay, there. I'm going to do my Tony ch- ch- chime in on this to to clarify it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my my sense of Viper, Ryan. Here's the thing: there was an idea there. I think Sega was, was sitting and thinking, Hey, look, there have been these games like Indianapolis 500, Corvette. People like awesome sports cars. So let's build one around the Dodge Viper, which, you know, was the pinnacle. What is the tree trunk in the middle of the playfield? What is that, that? That tree trunk looking thing is the ball lock. But what is it meant? Is that a mountain? What's it, what's it meant to be? Is it a tree uh, trunk? I don't remember. <laughs> I, now, now I, now I have to. It's, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a, yeah, the okay, gosh, now it's like IPDB, like please be up right now. I need to look. Um, because it's just been we had it on location for a while. Uh, and oh yeah, no that that's supposed to be a mountain. Is this, is this, this supposed an, to be a mountain? 
Okay. Is this them trying to cash in on, um, like Need for Speed or something? Well, it was know. just, I think it was more like, uh, Williams at the time had like Corvette and Indy 500. And so they wanted a car yeah. game okay. and they were able to get the, the Dodge license. So they're like, okay, let's put, let's put a hot girl in the middle. They, they, I don't know if No Good Gophers was inspiring them, but there are like <laughs> these stupid little hedgehogs <laughs> who, in, <laughs> Raccoons. Yeah, no, the raccoons. Thank you. These little raccoons, and they're like talking dirty and stuff. They're very naughty raccoons, <laughs> and so it's yeah. No, they're, they're I uh, after I got done playing it the first time, I'm like, did those raccoons say what I thought they said? And so I was like, yeah. And I'm like, is this a modified ROM? And I don't think it was. So I was just like, okay, well, I don't know if I'd have that at a pizza joint, but but hey, well, whatever. Um, and the the main gimmick though was that you played it with glow balls and glow balls do not have the same physics Ooh. as a, as a, as a regular pinball. They're lighter. Uh, I guess maybe kind of like you might think of it in a way like a power ball, but they're bouncier too. Cause they've got this rubber yeah. coating yeah. to glow under the UV lighting, kind of like predator. There was UV lighting. <laughs> well, in this case though, they actually had it. Uh, and it's just, you're just trying to lock these balls in the, uh, by the mountain area, there are these, uh, kick out holes where you lock in and then you like get this 30 second ball save. There's a, there's a post save that's between the flippers that pops up. It's like active for 30 seconds during multi ball, which is easy to activate. It is, I'm voting Viper and because it's, yeah, sucks. I'm, I'm <laughs> so <laughs> bad. I haven't played this game, but I'm looking, I'm looking at the flyer, right? Animated rabid roadkill raccoons yes. give lifelike motion to Viper. Cash in on the hot backlight action. Wow, they can't, they, like they're they're not even selling the game properly on the uh, the flyer. It's it's so freaking cheesy. So I think I'm gonna vote for Viper based off but, that. But, right, but th- so this game came out '98. So look, at, I mean, the raccoons and how they shake a rip off of the Martians from Attack. I mean, this was at this point, Sega was just like stealing every decent idea Williams had. <laughs> and then, I mean, because the layout on Viper inherently isn't bad. It's a pretty typical fan layout almost. Everything's in the back. There are no dangerous shots. It, It's just, it's this is not good. I mean, Star Wars isn't great, but it's, I mean, it's just a little rushed. Viper was just a lot of ideas that just don't work well. Did together. you know that you can listen to the dr- driving theme featuring Man Cow and the crew of Man Cow Morning's Madhouse to enhance the driving experience? I um, remember when Man Cow was popular back in the mid 90s. I've actually never I don't know what Man Cow is. You've never heard of Man Cow? Man Cow. <laughs> Man, 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 cow was a popular morning drive DJ mm. that was syndicated across the country uh, back in the mid nineties. And I'm voting Viper and I drive in because well, I don't need to say anymore. It's all been you, said. you don't want to cruise the highways at night as you encounter hitchhikers, drag races, and <laughs> raccoon roadkill and more. Rabbits, raccoon roadkill. Okay. okay, they're rabbit. <laughs> R- rabbit. Yes, yes, rabbit. Rabbit. So. Last matchup, I think. Last matchup is Harley Davidson versus World Challenge Soccer. The Sega Stern Harley, obviously, not the uh, yeah. early '90s one that, which was a competitor to the Street Level series that Bally Williams did. Right. I have played both of these, I believe. So I'm look, I'm looking up a, a picture of World Challenge Soccer to make sure. Yeah, I, I wanted to think I heard on your show, and though I couldn't remember if it was you or just yeah, Marty no, who had played World yeah. Challenge Soccer um, and hated it. That's the thing, so. though. I mean, I hated Harley Davidson. Uh, Harley Davidson has an 
okay layout, but the the rules of multi-ball. Well, to get to get into multi-ball, you bash the Harley Davidson, mm-hmm. um, and then and then he rises up, and then you lock the balls in there, and then multi-ball is ready, and then during multi-ball, I believe the only jackpot is hitting the Harley Davidson. And then the super jackpot is hitting the Harley Davidson. Yeah. And it's like the, the dumbest rule ever. It's like you got all these shots on the play field and the only shot is literally just to hit that over and over again. But, God, World Challenge Soccer, The I mean, the example that I played, it was in a kind of a sorry state. It's just, it's just a sad excuse for a pinball machine. Like, it's just... Was it the was it was uh, who, who designed it? I'm, John I'm Norris. It's someone who designed a lot of yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I'm get, I'm sure he's designed a lot of cool games, but this the geometry of the whole thing it just doesn't it just doesn't work. It's just like it's not a pinball machine. It's just like a piece of crap. I just like <laughs> let's just put let's just put stuff everywhere, and that's a pinball machine. I don't know. It's just horrible. Okay. I, I had a I had a fun time trying to like you know play it and and bag it, but um, I have to vote for World Challenge Soccer. I'll be voting for Harley. I have not played World Challenge Soccer. However, I have watched quite a bit of footage of it because it is one of three games on my wish list. So, oh, yes. No. <laughs> so thank you, thank you for your honesty, Ryan. I do appreciate it. Um, though you are right that I'm fascinated. I only want it if it's cheap, uh, but I'm fascinated by it because uh, if you don't know the story of World Challenge Soccer, there it's a there's a brief little story on it. That was John Norris's fastest design. He got that game put together in five weeks. <laughs> why would you? Why would you want that? Then? That's 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 not something that you should buy. You can be like, if you're a shareholder, you'd be like, yes, your fastest design. If you're a buyer, you're like, no. Well, I I, I do expect it to be at a fairly fairly uh, sub uh, subpar to pinball average pricing so that's part of it no i'm just i'm interested i okay, think okay let's, with, let's, let's 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 i've watched tuned examples i think that the shots work reasonably well if every if the parts are working appropriately whereas i don't like harley davidson for all the reasons you've expressed it's just multi-balls all the multi-balls have the same lame rules and you pointed out the main multi-ball the harley multi-ball but red light multi-ball is no better none of the multi-ball modes are any better they all stink they stink <laughs> How how much is a world challenge soccer? Because I mean, there's there's a limit to how low pinball prices can go in Australia because they they still have to import them. Like all the world challenge soccer's are, are coming from Europe. Um, they have to clean them up. They have to convert them. They have to you know get them to a sellable standard. But in in the US, I guess like they go really cheap. Like how how cheap could you get one of these these, these machines? Honestly, uh, I've never seen one for sale because Gottlieb sent almost all the world challenge soccer's to Europe. Most of them went to France. So, in my world, a fully working one needs to be under a thousand dollars. Yes, you'd be looking at about two two thousand um, Australian dollars for for one. And yeah, I'm, it's just people that that um, sell it. I guess to families that are buying a pinball machine for the first time. So, I guess this is why pinball isn't, isn't <laughs> or, flourishing. Or people who think they're getting World Cup <laughs> soccer and are tricked. <laughs> which, which. Uh, I'll go in the story about it afterwards, but uh, we didn't hear Tony. Which one are you abstaining? I'm gonna abstain. Okay, I'll give you a, I'll give you the quick lowdown on World Challenge Soccer because it is it is interesting. But John Norris did the design. He did Rescue Nine One One. So if you love the helicopter, <laughs> here's the sequel to it. Uh, no, um, what what happened was they being Gottlieb Gottlieb Premier, they wanted to get the World Cup license, and the licensor told them that they couldn't have it that it was already acquired by Williams. 
So they knew Williams had the license and they wanted to beat them to market. So they told John Norris, just take something else and retheme it, basically. So he took one of his street level games called Car Hop, added on a ramp. And that was what he did for most of the five weeks. They had it on a ramp. They gave it a new art package. They gave it new rules. I believe improved rules versus what Carhop had. And they just needed it to keep the line busy until Rescue 911 was ready. So they only made like 1,400 of them. But they sold every single one because there was World Cup mania going on yeah. in Europe. And they just scooped those puppies up. Well, no, it so wasn't. They it, sold wasn't everyone. Any- it was a huge, huge hit. Well, the World Cup. Huge hit for Gottlieb. The World Cup mania was happening in, I think, the 1994 World Cup was held in the U.S., so I guess yes. you guys had, but had the budget still, as well. There was all the soccer people were really excited for okay. there to be a World Cup. So okay. there was just there was just, there was high demand for it. It it surprised him. He didn't think it would be that. But yeah, that was his shortest design cycle ever. But to be fair, he already had a fully fledged design in his pocket that he reused. Oh for my most god! Of it. They just tacked on a ramp. It's it's just yep. it's just clicked. Okay, deep root. The five days of deep root. Is that when they, they're going to figure out what everyone's doing, right? With the theme, like, uh, you know, Ghostbusters and Deadpool. And they're going to, re- they're going to get John Norris to muck up his designs in, in five weeks and just release them before everyone <laughs> else. Hey, I'll hey, it it's, po- it's, it's possible. It's possible. That's the in five, fact, the five when, days um, of Deep Root is he's, he, he's going to design a game in five days. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll design a game every day for five days. Yeah, five exactly. Days. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Jo- I mean, when we had the interview with uh, Robert and he mentioned that he didn't understand why companies were insisting on having the programmers do the rules now, my immediate thought was, He's having John Norris do his own rules because John always did his own rules. That was his, his thing. The problem, uh, and I think that's completely fair. The problem as, as John Norris would tell you wasn't, you know, and of course he could be biased because they were his rules, but he admitted that his frustration at, at premiere wasn't that he didn't think he could do good rules, but they had a rule. He would, you were never allowed to go back and change them after the first run unless it was a serious bug that would say, you know, burn out transistors and such. So he was never allowed. He knew, he knew gladiators had a scoring flaw. He wanted to fix it. He couldn't fix it. Gladiators is a great game if you could just fix the scoring. I think a lot of those premier games could be great games that people would reprogram them, but no one bothers. So it is what it is. But anyway, so that's the story about world challenge soccer. You should love it. <laughs> no, it got, I got my vote and I've already submitted. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I'm sure it will be moving on. Even though Harley Davidson is such a bad game, it actually makes Harley riders who play it want to own Hondas instead. <laughs> that game probably sold, sold more gold wings than, than, than any ad campaign gold wing ever did. But, well, that is the last of the poll. And that's the last of the show. So I want to say thank you again to Ryan C. For well, first, first, on. first. But uh, uh, oh, what do we got? You're intervening. I'm intervening first. Because My notes don't show an intervening. Because, because we're at the end of the show, mm-hmm. and everybody except for me has had, to, has had to be beeped this episode. So I just wanted to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh. I just want to be part of the team. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take one for Wait. the team. You know, this is a lot of work that, because I have to move that beep around so much. Unless I just solidly. Yes. Everyone has, uh, had, 
You see, what Ryan, Ryan doesn't know is I have a notepad out where I'm writing all the timestamps down on every word I have to censor. <laughs> yes. So, Marty does the same so, thing. Uh, my, my pad is my pad is full Editing. now. We got we got a good gig, uh, Tony. Yes, it is terrible. Ah, that's disgusting. I want to stay on for another two and a, I want to stay on for another two and a half hours and talk about um, loot boxes loot, loot, and, that's and everything that's well. happening in the, in the video game world. Come on, oh, guys. loot crates! You want loot crate drama? I, I sent I sent you my Xbox Live yeah. profile. So okay, he did. He sent me his, 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 sent me his profile, which I could think I can safely summarize as saying it's just a bunch of bro shooters. That's like <laughs> what it is. This is like, hey, let's see, let's play every game where people have no neck, like Gears of War and okay. Halo. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. So, uh, so are you looking forward to the upcoming, uh, anticipated announcement of the new Halo game and the new Gears of War games? They're not confirmed yet. Uh, I, I'm so out of the loop on it that I, I didn't even know that were happening, but I've never, I've could never survive through Halo. It was, uh, I, I couldn't do it for some reason. I, I didn't get the, I didn't have an original Xbox. So mm. I didn't get the whole, um, Halo thing versus Gears of War. But what I wanted to quickly discuss is, there's a game that I used to play on Xbox religiously, and I played it again the other day, kind of for the first time in a while, and I realized it was almost like training for pinball. And that game is Peggle. Have you guys oh, ever played Peggle? Oh, Peggle. Mm, yes. Yeah, I've played a lot of Peggle back in the day. That was... Uh... Yeah, I used to play it with my mate. I used to be my, my Gears of War buddy, and then we had a break from that, and we spent about a year playing Peggle every on, single bro. night for Let's about go. three or four well, hours. You want to meet up and play Peggle? It was just, it was just, it was just, it was just trash talking. Basically, we used to play each other and trash talk each other for like just the entire time, um, and it was quite fun. But I realized the other day, it's, it's, there's a ball, there's geometry, right, and then down the side, there's multipliers. And the higher your multiplier goes, the more strategy you have to um, take with the risk reward of going for the pink peg versus the other color pegs. So I thought it was quite interesting that I was into that before I was into pinball. And uh, and then I gravitated towards pinball and, and never played video games again. <laughs> yeah. I never really thought about that, but it, it, that, that does make a lot of sense. And that's a solid game. Well, if you think if you think if you think about that game as well, um, have, have a quick. If you have that game on your on your PC or Xbox, give it another go. And a lot of the things that happen tie into pinball as well, like the, the fanfare that Ode to Joy plays, and that's kind of like your, your jackpot, like the end of the game. Um, you know, well done, you, you finish the game. When a peg hits certain shots, like say you're in Tron, you get super jets. Um, it makes a higher pitch sound, and every combo you make goes higher and higher and higher. So you feel like you're progressing, and Peggle does the same thing with with its sounds. So there's a, there's a lot in Peggle that that ties in with pinball machines. Did you know that there is a sequel? Ah, yeah, I've I've played I've hundred percent of the sequel as well. I've I've got hundred percent on both those um, games, but it's it's not as good as as yeah. The, I I've I've cleared all the I've cleared all the levels. Yeah, I played a lot of Peggle. Yeah, Doctor of Peggleass. We just I played it before I started podcasting, so I've never talked about it. Yeah. I played a lot of games before I started podcasting. <laughs> we could talk about all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything you wanted to plug or any other items you wanted to discuss? Do you want to talk about how Maria just needed a sandwich at the uh, middle of Gears of War 2? They didn't need a killer? <laughs> Spoilers. She was, she, was in pretty, she was in pretty bad shape. 
but um, <laughs> she needed a hamburger. And w- <laughs> Look, you you can't just off every anorexic you meet. I never. Everyone talks about how that was the most dramatic Gears of War. I sat there, I, I saw lost. that, and I'm like, just give her some French fries. What is going on? <laughs> She says she's hungry. Feed her. You don't have. You don't have to offer. Uh, uh, it was. I love it that that and Razor Hail. It was stupid. <laughs> that whole game. Gears Two is the worst Gears game. It's worse than Judgment. So we went full on Final Fantasy, where you like Final Fantasy Seven, where you're playing through it. and Your people die constantly. You res them. But when, but when Aerith dies, spoilers. There's nothing you can do about it. Kinda. I mean, it's, in Gears Two, the plot is you're tr- you're trying to find your the co when you play co. Co-op, you play, you, Marcus is the main guy and Dom is his friend. You're trying to find Dom's wife and you find her and she's like in a little sarcophagus, little prison. She's like in a little jail and you let her out and she's just super thin and she looks like she's like, I can't say, I'm just like, she can't speak. So you shoot her in the head. No. Or she's- you could have taken her to McDonald's. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. <laughs> she just needed some food. You get some, people are always weird when they're starving, but you give them some food and it fixes a lot of, it fixes a lot of problems. I'm telling you. If Dom had a Snickers bar, it would have been a completely different game. You give her a box of Tim Tams, she would have shaped up. It was, it was Dom's story arc because then in, in spoiler in number three, he, he sacrificed, this is the part that pissed me off. That the, the Maria thing, that was, that was fine. In, uh, in number three, he uh, well, he goes and visits her grave as well. They they drag that on that whole Maria story arc, but in, oh sure, yeah. In uh, in number three, he sacrifices his life, and uh, it was totally like like in movies. There's only a certain amount that you can do, but it pisses me off so much in video games when you can control the entire choreography of like everything that happens because you're animating these freaking characters, right? So like, just do whatever you want, and they create these scenarios that you can, that people can easily escape. Like, you can see the escape path there, but someone has to go and sacrifice their life so that, you know, they can they can run off because a big explosion happens. Like, no, that didn't need to happen. <laughs> Video games. <laughs> you walk away from an explosion, okay, but... Okay, a question to you guys, right? I know you want to finish, Dennis. You're like, I'm over this. What What's the most emotional that you've ever been playing a video game? Like, what, what scene or what um, video game um, actually worked, like, the whole cutscene or choreography to, to make you feel emotions a world under screen well do you do you want to narrow it down by any particular emotion uh, like like, like, a, like a emotional like a crying emotion like you know you felt you felt moved not happy or anything like not wow I just blew up someone's face um, talk, talking more about you know sad feelings someone died someone so not the rage of missing a 99% shot with a sniper <laughs> on, on XCOM. The, the, right. the smash the controller rage. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. In terms of sadness about the, the I guess, the arc, even though I didn't... Hmm. Well, recent, in terms of recent game, I mean, Final Fantasy VII with the Eris thing actually was pretty emotional when I played it. Uh, wasn't it, it the twin? Was it six with the twins, or was it four with the? It twins? was four, which was originally sold as two in the U.S. Final Fantasy four. Final Fantasy's actually had some good starts. Even fifteen, which I didn't like the gameplay of the uh, the sacrifices that happened at the end of that game. They executed that pretty well. It was pretty. I thought that was pretty emotional. So those are probably my favorite saddest moments. <laughs> um, and then uh, in terms of, I also really like horror games. And Resident Evil 7, I know I mentioned it a few months ago, but it, I don't know when I've ever been so scared 
other than that first act of that game, playing through a horror game, it was just, it was, it just, it works really well. It's really terrifying. Which one, which, which one's Resident Evil that you're the girl with the South African accent? Is that six? That's five. Five. Okay. Yeah. That was the last one I played. Right. So. Five. Right. Five. Well, that's with Sheva. Yeah. Sheva. That was when I, a, a friend of mine from my World of Warcraft days, which Marty would appreciate, uh, <laughs> he was like, you need to get an Xbox 360 so we can play Resident Evil 5. And I'm like, I ain't getting no console. I'm a PC gamer. And he's like, you need to get it because you have to play this game. So I got it and I switched to console gaming at that point because it was cheaper. <laughs> and then maintain my PC. And we played that co-op. Yeah. With Sheva. Resident Evil 6 is garbage. It's total garbage. You don't want to play it. Um, and then they did some Resident Evil Revelations games. Those are pretty good. And then just this last year, they released Resident Evil 7, which is first-person mode. Okay. So that's the big change-up. It's first-person, but it was back to being very suspenseful. Not Five got a lot of criticism with Sheva because there was a lot. It was very gun-driven. You were doing a lot of shooting. Uh, yeah. This is much more back to being atmospheric. Okay. And you're feeling really weak, really fragile, really lost and very normal in an environment that is abnormal. Uh, and, and so it just, it works really well. I mean, if you want a non-resident evil standout that I'd also cite for good horror emotionality to it, uh, the evil within. I've not played the second one yet, but the first one is very well done. And it's in that same vein, sort of classical suspense horror, which I, I like in gaming. I, I like it more than in movies, but I would tiny. No, new, I don't think there's anything new that's gotten me, but the twins in Final Fantasy IV, which was released in the U.S. is two, when they did their big sacrifice. Yep. That, that, I mean, I was younger, but that hit me pretty big. That's the one where Tella sacrifices as well to yeah. save the party. Yeah. No, that, that whole, that whole storyline, considering how young I was when I played through that Final Fantasy was just gut punch after gut punch. Mm-hmm. And, as said, uh, Eris and Seven. Um, but most of the gaming I've done doesn't really have story like that because it's much broader. I don't do a lot of character driven stuff other than like in my XCOM, like, like, like in, 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 I've had several XCOM playthroughs where it's been like, there's characters that I really like, you know, like Dennis's character, yeah, my wife's character, small. who are awesome, and then just through a whole run of bad luck in one match, just get totally wiped out. And I always feel sad, but I haven't had anything more recent than probably Final Fantasy VII. Not that I can remember that's really been like tug at the heartstring, gut punch mm-hmm. you for it. Whereas uh, Dom and Maria, that's like at the top of my worst executed. <laughs> Holy crap. Just, you know what? Just get her a steak. Just one steak. <laughs> or a salad. I mean, a little dressing on the side. I remember Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Bozinski was doing an interview on that. And he was like, oh, it's so hard to transition from like, you know, we you know we're still learning how to do the story, you know, like from bro shooter to, you know, to try and tell this emotional story. And I'm like, well, just don't tell the emotional story. Just keep it as a bro shooter. Um, <laughs> Mine, mine is, um, The Last of Us. And it's because of the time in my life, I kind of like, you know, had a, a, a newborn kid and, uh, that just pulled on all the, the right heartstrings for, um, I think I, I, I shed a tear at the start and the, the, the opening scene, uh, like a father dies or something. I can't remember exactly. And then at the end when, um, you know, spoiler alert, he, he kind of kills everyone for this girl because he was kind of like she was the replacement that's right he loses his kid at the start um and she was kind of the the replacement kid and he would rather kind of live in that 
post-apocalyptic, you know, world, then have it all sold, um, just so we can kind of share a relationship with her. Oh, that does, that does remind me. I, another one I do need to mention. I played through it twice on two different consoles and it got me both times. And that is Telltale's first Walking Dead game. The very oh, end. Ah, you're yeah. right. Cle- yeah, with Clementine. Clementine. That is. I did yeah. the I did the yeah. end differently both times, and both times are like, oh gosh, they the writing team on that. Uh, they lost that writing team to another studio. I think a little bit after that game. Yeah, I was about to say. What I, ha- like, I, I played all the Telltale games after that, and none of them were um, as good. They just couldn't capture the same. Yeah, kind no, of the thing. the writers uh, can't remember who they. Oh, oh yeah. Firewatch. They went and did Firewatch. Oh yeah, Firewatch was amazing. So, it didn't have a tug on you. I mean, it had yeah, some but sad it's good, moments. It's well written, but it was well written. Right. It yeah, didn't have any. So that's yeah. So it that's wasn't like 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 so yeah. That ball that with Clementine. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's good. that's my favorite tell. That's my favorite story in Telltale. Yeah, my, my that was another one as well. That is, you know, I've got a little girl. Her name is very close to Clementine, um, so it was just too real for me yeah. as, as well. I know people um, who won't play that game. With anything kids. involved with little little kids now? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, kids will do that on on occasion. I've actually turned movies off before because it's mm-hmm. just been like, I can't watch any more of this movie. I just can't handle this. It's not. It, it's just too much. Before I had kids, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. As long as they don't kill the dog, it's fine. Who cares? No, you can't kill dogs. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's basically that whole theory was played out and explored by John Wick. That's the plot. Yeah. That's, it's like, what ha- but what happens if you kill a dog? That's what happens. <laughs> so you leave dogs alone. And 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 Marley yes, and me yeah. as well. That was the uh, the other the other high high action. And, movie and Turner and Hooch, which almost killed Tom Hanks' career. <laughs> but uh, oh, terrible movie, terrible. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Right. I will wrap it up now so that we can, <laughs> you can go and see your movie, Tony, and I can get dinner. Um, you have been listening to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Uh, thanks again to Ryan from Head to Head Pinball. We do have a link to his show in the show notes. If you aren't listening to it, you really should check it out. It is a lot of fun. Ryan and Marty are a lot funnier than Tony and I are on air. So they do have that going for them, even if their taste in games is subpar. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Facebook uh, Flipper Football. <coughs> I didn't well, defend well, flipper well, football. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry, not flipper football. Oh, you see, <laughs> you didn't. You haven't even paid attention. You're trying to burn me. You don't even bad. have the burn in your pocket. You know what? Maybe you need to go on Mrs. <laughs> Penn and have her teach you some moves, teach you some trash talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Lucy, Lucy. That's right. You got to be Lucy. You got to be ready. I'm just going. I'm going to look at your Dennisy, <laughs> Dennisy, and, and Tony Wony. Oh, I've heard okay. that one before. Oh. I've heard that one plenty Dude. of time. Uh, Tony Wony. Uh, you can also you can also email the show, but we don't ask you to. As Eclectic Gamers Podcast at Gmail dot com. We're also available on other social platforms. Yeah, we're on Twitter and Instagram as Eclectic underscore Gamers. And that's it for two weeks. Uh, thanks again, Ryan, for coming on. Thank you, and I apologize to everyone that has to listen to me twice in 24 hours. <laughs> we'll see how long it takes me to edit all this profanity out. I just have timestamp, four-letter word, timestamp, four-letter word. I just marked all up. This is going to be a big pain. All right. Well, goodbye, everyone. See you, everybody. See you. F- <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Son of a b- <laughs> 